You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9 FM, WTGZ, Tuskegee, Auburn, and AM620 WTRP, LaGrange. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Welcome, Auburn, into the Friday edition of Sports Call, live on Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. My name is Ryan LaVoy, the host of the show. Today, I've got T.P. Hammock and Cam Berry with me for the full three hours as we go over a lot of the different things going on in the sports world, including previewing Auburn basketball as they take a trip to Athens, Georgia over the weekend. We will preview the entire SEC slate coming up on the weekend. Also, a little bit about Auburn baseball as they get set for their uh, meaningful tournament in Jacksonville this weekend. Uh, we'll also have, of course, birthdays in sports as we do each and every day. We will have a what to watch for over the weekend. Also, maybe talk a little bit about spring training baseball, about the Braves in particular uh, as they get going this weekend. If you want to give us a call on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line, 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Also, other things, of course, we can get into uh, as well throughout this three-hour edition of Sports Call on this Friday afternoon. Again, Ryan, TP, and Cam here with you on this Friday. We'll start with you, TP. Good to see you. And I know you were on the call of our Borgard softball game last night. We had a little bit of technical difficulties trying to get on air, but uh, once we got going, it was good to hear you and the Borgard guys out there and glad to have you on the show today. Yeah, absolutely. It's been a great week uh, working for Tire Communications uh, on Tuesday. Me and the voice of the Smith Station Panthers, Brant Daughtry, on 93.9. We went down to Seal, Alabama, and uh, witnessed Smith Station get a pretty dominant win over the Russell County Warriors. That's what I was doing on Tuesday. And then uh, Wednesday, of course, helping out sports call. And then yesterday, getting to go out to my first uh, Beauregard softball game, getting to watch them. Unfortunately, they fell 16-9 to against a very powerful Pike Road squad that I'm sure will make a pretty deep postseason run come May in the AHSA tournament. But uh, just a great week overall and uh, happy I was able to get onto the show at least once this week and uh, really excited to get to talk to all of our callers and uh, – Get ready to preview uh, a really good game tomorrow night, I believe it will be, as uh, Athens is a really tough place to play. So uh, looking forward to discussing and preview that matchup, Ryan. And then Cam Berry also on the show on this Friday. Cam, how are you this afternoon? I'm doing good. Man. It's been a very busy Friday, an eventful Friday, but excited to talk and preview, the, uh, like TP said, this Auburn basketball game as they get ready to face the, the Bulldogs in Athens. Should be an interesting one for sure. Um, and... Uh, 
yeah, just just ready to talk about all that with you guys. And uh, it's a good Friday because it is Friday. So yeah, um, ready ready to get it going. Ryan, how are you doing? I'm doing well, man. I appreciate you asking. Parents are in town, so that's good. Always and, fun. And uh, I'm yeah, see my parents this weekend too. Excellent. Looking forward to good weekends with the folks. Then absolutely. Uh, let's go ahead and start today's show with a phone call on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line three three four eight eight seven three four zero one locally or toll free one triple eight nine Tiger nine if you want to join us. Today on the show, first up this afternoon, Real Deal from Coosa County. Real Deal is with us. Real Deal, how are you this Friday afternoon? All right, man. How y'all doing? I got a few uh, football questions I'm going to ask y'all. They, 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 quite a few questions. I know you probably got ever callers holding. My first question is about Alabama. Now, all these Alabama folks think this man is going to come in and Really, just set the rules on fire, you know, this Kelly the Boy guy. But uh, I'm going to ask y'all these questions and I'm going to hang up. How can he do all this if he lost all these players in the transfer portal? Everybody's bringing uh, on his quarterback. He's not that great to me. He's a good athlete, but he's not a good passer. My opinion, I don't think he. Get into killing uh, the Bulls' offense. He uh, lost his offense currently to the uh, Seattle. He uh, lost his offensive line. He uh, lost a lot of folks. I want y'all to just ask him questions. And my next question is, uh, they still saying the same thing about Auburn. Six or seven ball games this year. I know we got a lot of Young players coming in, you know, with these top recruits, uh, is he still going to have a six or seven season again? I mean, is it going to take him four or five years, you know, to get the program on top? All of them years and just, Auburn is still not going to be as good. I can't believe that because we have the facilities. I know we don't have a whole lot of great players, and we, we have some young players, but I'm going to hang up and just get you guys comments because, like I say, I know you got other callers and uh, War Eagle. War Eagle, appreciate that phone call. That is Real Deal from Coosa County. There were a couple football topics for us, so let's start off that way. We'll start with the uh, beginning of his call about Alabama and, and some expectations for 2024. Look, I, some people have tried to minimize what – what they've lost roster-wise, obviously they've lost Nick Saban coach-wise, and I, I think that is an obvious drop no matter what DeBoer ends up being. Uh, roster-wise, I would say that they have lost more than uh, some would like to think they have. Um, they have lost wide receiver talent, which was already on a, a, a position-wise not as great as they have been pretty much any other time. Um, in the last nine or ten years from a receiving standpoint. So they've got to replace there. Now, I think Ryan Williams will do that. I think Ryan Williams will be quite good. But I don't think that Isaiah Bond is a small loss. I think he was going to end up being a really good receiver. I think you'll see that at Texas this year. Uh, Positionally, you lost guys at almost every position group. I mean, you lost Caden Proctor on the offensive line there. That was a big-time get for Iowa. You lose on the defensive side of things. You lose a guy like Caleb Downs, who what's odd to me is the hype that he was getting, which was justified. I think he was tremendous his freshman year. And everybody's saying how great he's going to be and already is. 
And now uh, that he's transferred, there has been some revising from Alabama fans that say, oh, well, he actually missed some tackles here, and he had this to work on. He had to be better at this. Well, you can't have it both ways. Uh, I think Caleb Downs is really, really good, and I think he's going to be a first-round pick in the NFL when he's able to go here in a couple years. So uh, Downs is a big loss and a guy that would have been around for a couple more years. Uh, And they've got plenty of others, too. When you go down the line, obviously you lose uh, certain guys already to the draft, which is anticipated, and uh, some of those guys. But other transfers uh, that could have been impactful down the road, like a Julian Sand or, uh, you know, maybe a Nye Black at tight end, maybe some of their DBs that left, um, like a a Des Ricks. I mean, again, they they lost 20-some guys to the portal, uh, which is – absolutely anticipated when Nick Saban retires but uh, nevertheless that's a lot to fill and I think DeBoer will be fine I think that he already did a good job at Washington but uh, if you expect them to be 11 and 1 12 and 0 this year I think that you're living in the past a little bit there was already some roster issues this year I actually thought Saban did one of his better coaching jobs this year to get them to the playoff uh, after this year sustaining a couple of games early that they very much could have lost. So I think you're already bleeding a lot from a roster that maybe was not as dominant as it usually was. Uh, and you've got a coach that's uh, now going into the toughest league in the sport. Uh, I think you have some challenges there. So, guys, your thoughts on uh, realistic expectations year one and, and where Alabama truly is right now? I think I think it's a really good point. You know, I think I think a lot of Alabama fans minimize the losses in the portal, and I'm not saying that they're going to go six and six. I'm not saying that at all. I think that will be a mighty fine program, or I think it'll be a mighty fine season. I just don't think they'll be exactly there. And I think you know you see it. You know, like you were talking about, Caden Proctor. You know, he started every game as a true freshman. Were there ups and downs? Absolutely. But he was also starting as, what, an 18, a 19-year-old? I mean, he was, you know, he was going to develop, and he's probably going to do really well at Iowa. They develop linemen extremely well. Caleb Downs, you already said it, he's probably going to be a top 10 pick in 2026. Julian Sayan, coming from the Ohio State side, to say how good he is, they the people over at Ohio State think that he's already the backup quarterback. They think he's already jumped over people who's been there, and he's been there for a couple weeks. So uh, he was definitely going to be an important factor. So uh, I think you just got to look at it, and you got to look at it realistically. Where, like you said, I think a lot of that last season was Nick Saban. I don't think, I don't think that was a Tommy Reese masterclass. Okay, I don't think that. If anything, I think he was running a high school offense over there with Jalen Milrow, where it was just throw the deep ball and then run the option. It was just very bland and basic. So the fact that they were even even able to win the SEC championship and to make it to a college football playoff, where they were a play away from making it to the national championship game, and in hindsight may have won that national championship game considering Washington's defense. Uh, that was just all Nick Saban. And I'm not saying, you know, DeBoer's bad. I'm not. I'm, I'm a big, you know, as much as I don't like him being at Alabama, I was a big DeBoer supporter at Washington even before he got to Washington. I loved what he did at Fresno State. So I think they will still be a mighty fine program, and you will definitely see them in the playoffs. But I think it's unrealistic if we can just, you know, if we're just saying, oh, well, you know, plug and play, you know, it's just, stop oh, lose Nick Saban, here's Kalen DeBoer, still going to go, you know, 13-1 and one or 12-0 and and whatnot. So uh, I think I think it's a really good point. And, uh, 
Yeah, Cam, I'd be really interested to see what you have to say on this. Yeah, I think I, I I do think it's interesting. They did lose a lot of talent on both sides of the ball. Just you know, that happens with the coaching change, right? They they did lose a, a lot of guys that you felt like could have contributed. Um, I mean, that would have contributed, right? Pro- Proctor, uh, like you said, would uh, he was a true freshman. He played, and and same with Caleb Downs. So uh, just just lost you know this talent, but. I agree. I don't think they're going to be just absolutely straight into the gutter like anything, you know, the fall off will not be, excuse me, as drastic as some think, Um, you know, it's just there's there's an expectation, right? It's just hard to follow what you had in the past in Nick Saban in in such a a legendary coach who built such a fantastic program. It's hard to follow that up if you're. If you're Kalen DeBoer, you know, if he has like an eight and four season, I would consider that a decent success in year one. Having lost all the talent you had, you're you're dealing with the transfer portal. You lost some of these five star guys that you had, like like Julian saying, a lot of talent uh, just in the quarterback room in general. Um, I I think it'll be interesting to see how this season plays out, how people react. You know, if if say Alabama loses a game that normally they would have won, maybe had they been under Nick Saban but lost because maybe Kalen DeBoer is the coach or however that plays out, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Yeah, so that's the Alabama part of it, and uh, and t- uh, Real Deal also asked us about the Auburn part of it. So the Auburn expectations, um, as he said, uh, he's hearing a lot of six and, and seven win expectations, and. I think that is born out of most obviously the quarterback situation. I also think it's born out of the fact that Auburn has lost a lot defensively um, off of a defense that was kind of surprisingly good last year. Uh, We thought that it would be good in the back end, very unsure about the front seven. You had guys like Eugene Asante step up. We were really surprised how dominant Marcus Harris was in in moments uh, and how productive he was. Uh, so you get some of that back in the front, uh, but you do lose a, a really just about everything in the back, for everything from DJ James to Nehemiah Pritchett to Jalen Simpson, Donovan Kaufman in the portal. We were having this conversation on Wednesday on the show, Cam, where we were discussing our most important transfers right. in, and we were looking at the Texas guys like Jaron Thompson yeah. uh, and Trill Carter because obviously defensive backfield needs a lot of new guys in there. Uh, and then Trill Carter defensively to try to replace Marcus Harris. You like some things at the linebacking level defensively. You like some things on the edge. Uh, hopefully a, a, a healthier, more productive year from Jalen McLeod. The, the expectation will certainly be there. Uh, but then again, offensively, you know, you, you can't you got to feel like Auburn can't be worse out wide. Uh, there's just no way, A, of how unproductive those guys were, but B, the pure talent that's going to be in here from the word go, even as freshmen, you think there will be flashes that will far exceed what Auburn's had last year, maybe even the last couple of years, even for the word go. Uh, so that's probably an upgrade. Offensive line, I expect to improve more. I thought it was better last year. I think it will be even better this year. Uh, and then running back wise, there's not a thing world uh, thing in the world wrong with the running back situation with the Tigers. Uh, you got a little bit of everything in that room. You got some more power with Demari Austin. You've got uh, more of a, a three down type of guy with Hunter. You've got Batie for a change of pace. You've got Jeremiah Cobb, who there's going to be high expectations for. Uh, 
again, I think it's defense primarily, and I think that it is obviously quarterback. So, guys, expectation-wise for the Tigers, and I know this is February. I know spring practice starts next week. There will be even more roster decisions and moves <coughs> that happen in the spring uh, because of what will happen in spring practice. There will be guys that don't like their standing on the depth chart. There will be more guys that decide to transfer. But you've get, now got kind of the meat of your uh, of your roster now and you might be waiting on maybe a side dish here and there but you pretty nice. much got your uh, i'm very food driven cam yeah, very yeah, food yeah, driven yeah. Uh, I see. You, you might be looking for a dessert here or an appetizer here but you pretty much got the main course of your roster now you'll just see what is going to become available last minute uh portal wise in the spring and like i said more than likely a lot of those guys will be guys not pleased with their depth chart situation, which means for you in a program like for Auburn, I'm not banking on starters coming to you in right. April, May. I'm banking no. on maybe some, some depth, depth, second and yeah. third string guys. But anywho, your your thought right now on the existing expectations you have for Auburn in year two under Hugh Freeze? Yeah, I mean, I just expect growth on the offense, right? I, I think you really want to see – I mean, it, it starts with the quarterback position. That's really where it is. If we see the same Peyton Thorne that we saw, it, it, based on the expectation that he is the starter, of course, there's no guarantee. Hugh Freeze did say that it was a wide-open race at the end of the season after the bowl game. That was just such a horrible showing. Yes, the offense in general was not well put together, which is uh, you know, which is the reason as to why Hugh Freeze is now going to be calling the plays, so we'll see how that you know kind of transpires and if that's going to help with whoever ends up taking snaps under center. Uh, and and that's just where it all begins it, with the quarterback position because he, we've got Auburn has gotten now some wide receiver talent at the very least to be able to say, well, we have some dudes that you can throw the ball to. The running back room, like you said, Ryan, is perfectly fine. There's no issues there. They've improved some pieces with the offensive line as well. I feel like they'll be able to to kind of kind of get some momentum there also. And you, and you signed a five-star in that. And I, not to say that he might be starting day one, but he has the talent as well to be able to maybe uh, have an impact as, as, a, uh, as a starter or as a second-string guy. So you have improved the offense drastically. Like you said, the defense, you did lose some pieces, so you'll want to see who's going to step up there. You do bring back some guys, so that is – uh, uh, helpful, but and you did sub- supplement some of the losses that you had, like like bringing in some of the guys from Texas as well, uh, and, and you know uh, replacing um, the the production that Marcus Harris has, which which will be tough. But you want to see, hope that you bring in these transfer guys and they'll be able to do that as well, and have the guys that you already have on your roster step up and and uh, and fill that fill that void. So it'll be interesting to see. I think uh, I think still the deepest room is still the db room honestly i still think there's enough talent in there uh that that you know they'll they'll be able to figure something out to make something work um but expectation wise it's tough i really i really can't say because i don't know who's the court who quarterback's gonna be because that's that's really where it starts for me i just i can't if if we're going off the assumption that it's peyton thorn and it's the same peyton thorn that we had throughout the season last year I, I just put a ceiling at like eight wins, nine wins, maybe if you as the you, ceiling, yeah. but not even the most likely. Right, yeah. right. Is is just because of what you saw last season, you can't really operate an offense on a consistent level like that. It's just not possible. Uh, so you wonder if you know if maybe maybe Hugh Freeze is gonna has been working with him throughout the off season outside you know in between recruiting things like that. Maybe he's kind of 
going to be able to try and put Peyton in situations to be a little bit more successful, um, you know, work on that accuracy, whatever, whatever. We'll see. Um, but you have the likes of uh, Holden Gerner. You, ha you have uh, Hank Brown. You have Walker White, true freshman, who's coming in as well. Uh, so these are all guys that are going to be fighting for that position because, like you Free said, it is wide open. But it it's hard to put a true expectation on it. Um, on on where this team stands without knowing who the quarterback is going to be uh, at the beginning of the season. I think that's very well said, Cam. I, I think you put it very well. That That's what I was feeling about is the it all begins with the quarterback. And you need who on whoever's listening, who can look at me and go, <laughs> Well, Peyton Thorne's going to win you at least two, you know, him himself, he will win you at least, you know, this amount of games, you know, with the, you know, with the game on the line, Peyton Thorne's going to win it for you. I don't feel that way. Some of those performances were some of the worst offensive performances I've ever seen, and I liked the Big Ten, and it was awful. I mean, I was very, I was very skeptical whenever he did come to Auburn because I had watched him at Michigan State, and I thought it was kind of a red herring that one year with Kenneth Walker because Kenneth Walker was an animal, and I still don't understand how he was that good, and he's done so good in the NFL since he's been pretty good. So I was always, you know, a little worrisome about it. And then, you know, I thought last season it was the two-quarterback system. I thought, you know, you know, that's, you know, kind of messing with the confidence and whatnot. And then there were just times where – it just looks so bad. And now this year, you have Oklahoma coming to town. You have to go to Missouri, who's just completely revived themselves. You go to Kentucky. I know Kentucky's not, you know, you know, not competing for SEC titles, but they have Mark Stoops. They're going to win eight to nine games a year every other year. You know, they're a really good program there. A and M comes to town. You got to go to Bryant Day. You got to go to Georgia. You know, um, you know, you have other games. You know where people are going to try to knock you off. And I think it's just really hard to pinpoint how good a season can go if Peyton Thorne's your quarterback. And I'm not saying that I don't know if there is a better option. You could say, well, Walker White. Well, he's a freshman. All right, I don't want to do that to him. But at the end of the day, you know, if Free says he needs to start, then by by golly, you know, we'll, we'll watch him. We'll see if he's ready or not, you know. But I'm just worried, Ryan. I just worry that – if Hugh Freeze goes six and six again, because this isn't an easy schedule. I mean, there is Vanderbilt on it. You have now ACC Cal. You have Alabama A&M. You have New Mexico. If you go six and six, seven and six, I don't want the fan base turning on Hugh for that. I know he's done so well recruiting, and you know, I just, I that's my worry is that if this year is similar to last year record wise, maybe a game improvement or not. Will the fans turn on Hugh? I think that's well, the ultimate question. I, but I think that it would be at least semi-justified if it is because of the same reason that it was in year one. So uh, you can't tolerate six and seven wins forever, but we all understand, and, and I agree with you that um, record-wise, there's not a must for next year other than don't go backwards. You cannot go backwards under any circumstance. But um, But how it looks, because if you tell me next year – Auburn's going to lose some 38 to 34 games, and that's why they're six and six or seven five. Then I can live with that. Um, obviously, you need to. It sets up for a bigger uh, 
need for year three to show the win-loss improvement. Um, but what you can't have is an offensive coach continually losing games because of offense. And so even with the same guys, you have to show me that you've at least improved those same guys a little bit. And if it's because you had massive roster turnover defensively and, and you've, 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 you've taken two step backs defensively, well, again, I, I've, there will come a time where I can't live with that either. But as you start to work on building the program, show me that you're going to be able to build the offense the way we expect you to build the offense, or at least give me the signs of that. So I can't have – look, I can understand Peyton Thorne is not good or not the long-term answer. Well, he's only got one more year, but he's not a great college quarterback. But also I can expect him not to have 75 pass yards a game. So you've got to show me how you can find a way – to get you into a serviceable passing attack and a more complete offensive attack. So for me, expectation-wise, that is my bare minimum expectation. What that spits you out of, it determines how well your defense is. It determines uh, how how good some of these other teams are, what improvements and changes they have. Like It becomes relative to a degree, but what needs to not be relative is the fact that Auburn has to look way more proficient on offense. Got to look competent. Um, and, and they've got to have – a situation where they're making making these these freshmen, making these guys kind of show you that there is a, a real future there and that there is a clear path to a, a future there. So my expectation for them next year, again, I want to see a little bit more. I, I want to see the spring play out and, and, and see what they do end up deciding quarterback like we all want to see. But my expectation – for them bare minimum is they've got to improve offensively and where that shakes out record wise for them. Again, I want to see a little bit more as we go through the process, but um, I I think the schedule, I think it could go either way. I, I I think it to be uh, very palatable in my opinion. Now going to Athens, going to Tuscaloosa, always going to be rough. Uh, Georgia, that that's going to be a loss. Like I'm just going to go ahead and sign Auburn up. Right. Going to lose in Athens. Period. Point blank. Uh, in Tuscaloosa, you have a sliver of hope now because it's not Nick Saban. Because you have just no idea what they'll look like. So it's very tough to predict the game ten months from now or nine months from now. Uh, but still, a road rivalry game just inherently is difficult. It, it is very difficult for you. Um, but the fact that I think that Auburn has a very uh, I feel a, a fair expectation to start 4-0. Uh, listen, they've got to – talk optics-wise, they've got to beat Cal by more than a last few minutes drive and, and stand like they, on their home field. And they should. I was going to say they're injured right, hair, so right. they should. So that's one box they need to check. They need to look better in their win against Cal. And then game four for them, I don't expect them to pound Arkansas the way they did because very few teams pound – uh, a team the way Auburn pounded Arkansas last year. But that's a team that's one bad year away from having to change everything about their program, including their head coach. You can't be losing to Arkansas on your home field, especially early in the season, no matter if they start to turn things around, have a better year. So you need to start 4-0, and you go from there, and then you get into the optics of uh, what the offense is actually looking like, if you have a, a competent passing attack and who the quarterback is and that sort of thing. But – um, again, I think the six and seven wins, back to our, our caller, Real Deal, who called in the start of the segment, uh, back to what he was saying about hearing six to seven wins, I think the reason is just so much lack of clarity with what the offense will actually look like and what Peyton Thorne would look like, what the quarterback would look like, and, uh, and that sort of thing. A lot of unknowns still. 
coming into year two. We're going to take our first timeout of the show today. If you want to give us a call, 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free, 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Sports Call returns after this timeout. Looking for another way to listen to our show? Be sure to download the Tiger Communications app and listen to Sports Call wherever you go. Now back to Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Welcome back to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, T.P. Hammock, and Cam Berry with you here on this beautiful Friday afternoon. Coming up in just a little bit, we will be previewing Auburn basketball as they get set for a date with Georgia in Athens tomorrow. Also, look around the rest of the SEC basketball landscape and much more on this Friday edition of the show. But as we do each and every day before we continue on, let's get to today's birthdays in sports. It's time for today's Birthdays in Sports. All right, Birthdays in Sports today. TP, take it away. Uh, It is Tom Osborne's 87th birthday, former head coach at the University of Nebraska. Corn. Osborne played college football at Hastings College, go Broncos, before his coaching days. In 1973, he was named the head coach of Nebraska football and would stay in that position till 1997. Osborne won three national titles, 12 Big 8 titles, and much more. He finished his career with a coaching record of 255 to 49 losses and three ties. Pretty good. In 1999, Osborne was inducted into the College Football Hall of Fame. Osborne turns 87. He also went to Hastings High School in Hastings, Nebraska. Go Tigers. Okay. And next up is Fred Bolitnikoff's 81st birthday. Former wide receiver Bolitnikoff is considered to be one of the greatest wide receivers of all time. Fred went and played college football at Florida State, go Seminoles, before he was selected in the third round of the 1965 NFL Draft. He would go on to play with the Oakland Raiders and racked up a heck of a career with over 8,900 receiving yards and 76 touchdowns. The best receiver in college football is given out every year with the trophy named in his honor. He is a member of not only the College Football Hall of Fame, but also the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Fred Bolitnikoff turns 81. He went to Technical Memorial High School. you got to mem- remember the tech? Yeah, te- Technical <laughs> Memorial uh, in Erie, Pennsylvania, which has now changed its name to just Central High School. You know, just Great. makes sense. Go Falcons. <laughs> okay. Next up is Ed Tutal Jones. He's turned 73. Former NFL player Jones played at Tennessee State. Go Tigers. Before being selected first overall in the 1974 NFL Draft by the Dallas Cowboys. Jones would play his whole career there and even took a year off to focus on boxing. 
He ended, <laughs> he ended his career as a three-time Pro Bowler, first-team All-Pro, two-time second-team All-Pro, and a Super Bowl champion. He ended his career with 57 and a half sacks. Ed Tutal Jones turned 73. Jones went to Mercy High School in Jackson, Tennessee, which has also changed its name. I forgot to write it down, <laughs> but uh, go Cougars. <laughs> well, uh, they were probably asking him for mercy the way he could get up the quarterback. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. Ed Tutal Jones, 73. And next up is Gerard, uh, Gerard Mayo. He is 38 years old. This is going to be weird to say. Current New England Patriots head coach, Mayo, <laughs> played college football at Tennessee. Go Volunteers. Oh, yeah. Before being selected 10th overall in the night and the 2008 NFL draft by the New England Patriots, where he would play his whole professional career. Mayo was a defensive rookie of the year, a first-team All-Pro, a two-time Pro Bowler, and much more. After his playing career, he went into coaching and was recently named the new head coach for the Patriots. Mayo turning 38, he went to Kickaton High School in <laughs> Hampton, Virginia. Go Warriors! Uh, if you could get more high school names like that, you'd have to do like a town name Tuesday, but like a high school name Tuesday and... <laughs> Uh, kick a ton. I, I could one. get a ton for Alabama. Yeah. So, <laughs> next up though is Colton Hood, who turns 19 years old. He is a current Auburn Tiger and plays cornerback. He saw limited action in the 2023 season, with his first game action of his career coming against UMass this season. Go Minutemen! He was listed as a top 30 player in the state of Georgia for his recruiting class. Colton Hood was committed to Michigan State before decommitting and committing to play and signing to play with Auburn. Colton Hood turns 19. He went to Eagles Landing High School in McDonough, Georgia. Mm -hmm. Go Golden Eagles. Yep, know a little bit about that high school. There you go. And those are the birthdays in sports. And if it's your birthday out there, happy birthday to you too. I'm going to give an extra birthday to Andrew Wiggins, too, by the way, who's 29. He was today. not Sh on our list. Shamelessly, uh, shamelessly plugging him. As a I got you. Andrew Wiggins went to Kansas University, go Jayhawks, Rock before Trotter, being yeah. selected first overall in the 2014 NBA draft by, well, it was selected by the Cavs, and then he was traded immediately to the Timberwolves, played there, didn't play a lick of defense, then it was <laughs> traded to the Golden State Warriors and helped them win an Magically NBA Magically started title. playing defense. There you go. <laughs> and helped them win an NBA title. There you go. Wiggs, Andrew Wiggins, 49. <laughs> that was a complete list of birthdays, though. I understand why he was not on the list, because there were a lot of them. Uh, good job there, TP. We are going to take our next time out of the show. Back with more right after this. Want to know how easy it is to listen to our show? All you have to do with your Amazon smart device is say, Alexa, play Sports Call Auburn. This is Andy Bertram, voice of the Auburn Tigers, and you're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9.
Welcome back to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Cam Berry, and T.P. Hammock with you here on this Friday edition of the program. Coming up a little bit later, we will get into some Auburn basketballs. They get set to play Georgia this weekend, as well as the rest of the SEC slate. But got some more college football for you here in the first hour of the program because there was a relevant ruling from a judge uh, just uh uh, just a, about a half hour ago in terms of the what's going to be a very high-profile NIL case between the courts and Tennessee and Virginia, between the NCAA, I should say, and, and Tennessee and Virginia and the courts. And Judge Clifton Corker, about a half hour ago, granted a preliminary injunction for uh, against the NCAA and the NIL lawsuit filed by attorney generals in Tennessee and Virginia. The ruling now allows booster-funded NIL collectives in both states to communicate with high school recruits and transfer portal players. So, again, let me again, not speak Japanese for everybody. The ability to communicate. So these NIL collectives, these funds, what would be on Victory or whoever, can basically talk to a a player a high school player or a transfer portal player on behalf of the school and start doing numbers and and all that stuff so this is the case that involved the tennessee quarterback who uh was uh, flown on a private jet and um being again accused of their nil malpractice by the ncaa and this is the case that uh, many believe could really start to unravel the NCAA if uh, Tennessee, Virginia win, uh, and it turns out NCAA cannot police these NIL rulings and cannot enforce these NIL rules, uh, then it's kind of hard to see the purpose of the NCAA in that, in that arena in terms of recruiting and being able to enforce its own uh, rules. So, this one is uh, a pretty big one. Uh, it's not a final ruling. Again, it's a preliminary injunction, but uh, the first positive step for Tennessee and Virginia, the, the judge also notes that uh, uh, the quote is, without the give and take of a free market, student-athletes simply have no knowledge of their true NIL value. It is this suppression of negotiating leverage and the consequential lack of knowledge that harms student-athletes, end quote. So, uh, guys, your thoughts on this ever-going saga, which, um, again, a small a victory for Tennessee and for Virginia, uh, those states, Tennessee and Virginia today. Yeah, it, it, I mean, I think we all kind of agree that this is the right thing to do, you know. I feel like, uh, you know, even though it was deemed illegal, and, you know, Tennessee and Virginia are the two schools that are kind of in, uh, in the court case for it, I'm – I'm well sure that they are not the only two have done what they are being accused of with like recruits and whatnot, where the NIL collective talks to the high school or the transfer student. Uh, so, um, this is a good thing. And, uh, I, I'm not a big NCAA fan. I think someone said it best that, you know, the NCAA is just so outdated and just unneeded. The only thing we need the NCAA for is, 
Someone said best. I believe it was Joel Klatt said it. He said the NCAA can just now be a party planner for March Madness. <laughs> that, that can be their role for yeah. now on. They can just be the party planner. So The party planning uh, committee? Yeah, that, that that's exactly what they can do, and I'm perfectly fine with that. So, uh, But, yeah, good for the judge, and uh, I, I agree. I do think this is starting to become the not the immediate – but in, at least in the near future, it definitely feels like the beginning of the end of the NCAA. Yeah, I agree. It really does look like the writing is starting to really be on the wall for, for the NCAA. This is, like you said, TP, this is really just seems like it's just the beginning. Uh, they're, they're losing kind of power month by month you know <laughs> i i like the way that you phrased it with the with the pa- uh, with the party planning thing I, I think that's pretty funny that's a good thing that that you referenced with joel clatt because i mean i feel like at this point it's pretty pretty accurate because you, i mean you just don't really you, there was there has never been a true definition of the power that the ncaa has had they've just always been an entity that's kind of overseen everything that, right they're like the dark overlord <laughs> but now that that dark overlord is kind of losing power they're losing steam so yeah i, I agree this is the beginning of the end I, I feel like for for the ncaa it'll be interesting to see just how uh just how little power they'll have by the end of all of this i would like it's not a perfect world uh i won't get this I want everything that can be brought against the NCAA to go ahead and be brought up against it. Well, right. Like I want to see what real power do the courts, do the justice system, do they think they actually have? Because I want to know. I want to go ahead and know. Because I don't want to do this for 10, 20 years about uh, who's going to be the governing body and what power does the NCAA have and who needs to take over the uh, the sports and is football separate than everything else? I. I'm going to get so nauseated talking about this within a few years that I'm going to just brush them all off and let me know the outcome. Just tell me, tell me what we're going to have to end up doing because it's clear the NCAA does not have as much authority as it, it wants to have and it, it, that it thinks it has. But where is that line actually drawn? And can you go forward with it? Who needs to make these rules? Because the last thing we need to do is have one group make some rules that they can't enforce so that another group has to make a completely different set of rules that they may or may not be able to enforce. You need to be able to establish something that can last and can lead us into this future where so much is changing in college athletics. Look, there are things that change at the professional level. There are bigger TV deals, bigger salary caps, ways to change your schedule around and and ways to do that. But the core function of what you do the National Football League and the National Basketball Association, so on and so forth, has remained. Usually game counts have been pretty stagnant. Uh, you have changed, again, certain things about how the salary cap works and salary maximums and that sort of thing. But the premises have stayed the same. But what we're doing in college athletics right now is so different because you're going from um, guaranteed scholarships with the with the prospect at certain places of under the table something car money whatever to you're now going to it's all out in the open no one knows what the going rate really should be no one knows what the maxims are no one knows how direct or indirect you have to make these offers no one knows even how what the terms are if they're one year or four years and if they're dependent on it being on the roster so at so and so time um these issues are getting to the point where there's so many unknowns about it, it's almost pure speculation on what's actually going on. 
And yet the NCAA tried to, again, save some, save some face by at least letting it happen without actually putting together a logical form of rules and regulations because, in fact, they may not be able to enforce any of those rules and regulations. So now that they have tried to put some a few rules out there, um, there's no telling if they actually hold any weight. And so uh, this ruling is more and more step to the NCAA not having, again, near as much power as uh, they thought they should have. And all I would ask is just someone to come along in fact, I don't even care if it is the NCAA or not the NCAA, but someone that actually has established the right to do this um, to be able to come together and lead this sport and all the other sports into the future of, of college athletics. And I, I think that is probably not going to happen anytime soon. I think that the conversations are still only beginning, but the fact that we're having them uh, at every level, I mean, we're having them in the courts. We're having them in Congress. We're having them with team presidents. We're having them with or with school presidents, with school administration, with team athletic directors, with the conferences, um, all the way up and down the line. Everyone is having them. Someone at some point is going to have to figure out, someone smarter than me, hopefully, figure out how to run this thing and how they can enforce what they need to enforce and have a set of rules that, again, people can at least uh, be agreeable on, even if it's not the exact thing that they want. Um, so, I, 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 again, I don't know how you guys feel. You guys may be way more willing to just let it play by ear for years and years, and, and that might be what it has to be. Uh, I don't want it to be very. Pol- I just. I don't want it to be drawn out. I agree with you. Right. I, I. I. It needs to. Something needs. Some. A decision. It's needs going to be, to be drawn out. I <laughs> don't want that. Well, I don't want that. It's the that? NCAA. They will literally drag their feet for anything, like anything. So I. I. I mean, it's just going to take forever. You already know this, Cam. <sighs> yeah. I mean that. That's the reality of uh, what we're going to see is a situation where. Um, a situation where you have, I think that, um, I, I think this could be a very long time. And again, you also get into the situation where you get into, I wonder if you will have a split from football and basketball. You know, because the NCAA does right. do a good job with basketball. They and, do. And, and, and some of the other sports, I think, are run perfectly fine. It's just that football is exploded to the point and it creates so much value for its players because of its explosion that it's hard to know uh, it's hard to put everything under one blanket right because we talk about all the time from a different lens we talk about how football and a little bit of basketball basically funds the entire athletics program it's why you can go to some sporting events on your campus for free Again, you can go to some of your sporting events uh, and some of the smaller sports for free. All you pay is four dollars for a hot dog, three dollars for a coke. That's I promise you that sport did not make money off of you in that day. Um, and and so you have a situation where it's obvious that football and basketball drive it. So how do you go about if you, that's being governed by a different body and? how much you need to actually make, how much you can afford to pay um, your players and then still fund the rest of the athletics department. Uh, Because, again, people will look at numbers. They think that because 
these schools make a couple hundred million dollars in athletics that they pocket all of it. Well, they pretty much put all of it back into funding these other sports. If you, I've looked at some of these AL.com articles from how much Auburn's made and how much some of these schools have made. They've made 200, 210 revenue, but that's not their net. They then expend 190, 200 million of it. So how do those margins change over time? Um, and how much of everything else can you fund while also putting more money into a football program that is going to have to, like if you take it away from NIL, if it was not NIL, if it was directly paid from schools, then you would assess that into the budget and you'd assess that into the revenue and, and net income and, and all that sort of stuff. And right now you've certainly got it where the NIL is not allowed to be coming out of school's budget, it's supposed to be coming out of businesses' budgets and collectives' budgets. And so what were that to be if you mandated it change, if you mandated that a school paid it instead of an NIL collective, and, and how would that affect the smaller sports? These are questions that I'm always open to hearing other thoughts on and, and open to hearing um, ideas for it because, again, it's going to take someone that has a way better um, system than I do for continually funding everything that needs to be funding because also what I don't want to do, we might not talk about on the show, but I also wouldn't think it'd be right if you have to end up cutting half your sports programs because you can't fund them anymore because then you're funneling every every cent into paying for being a good football program. I want there to be yeah, the ability to have the other sports uh, too. So, again, you bleh, it's, it's a deep issue, and there's a lot of different um, things that need to be ironed out. And that's why I understand it's not a perfect world. It will take some time, but it is going to be increasingly frustrating as we continue to go through uh, probably the years and not really have a, a, a great detailed solution for all the problems that college athletics face right now. So that's kind of a little bit of a, a deep look into it, and I'm sure this conversation will continue to come out throughout the spring and summer. But for now, we are out of time in hour number one. Coming up in hour number two, we'll get into some college basketball. Auburn taking a trip to Athens this weekend. Also, more of your phone calls on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line, 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free 1-888-9-TIGER-9 to reach us here on this Friday afternoon of Sports Call returning after this timeout. One hour of our show is in the books. We've got more to come. Stay tuned for another hour of Sports Call right after the break. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9 FM, WTGZ, Tuskegee, Auburn, and AM620 WTRP, LaGrange. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. 
And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Second hour of Sports Call starting right now. Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. Ryan LaVoy, T.P. Hammock, and Cam Berry with you here on this beautiful Tuesday afternoon. We'll be headed back to our orthopedic clinic phone line in just a few minutes. Uh, but as promised, we want to go ahead and start breaking down this Auburn and Georgia basketball game coming up in Athens tomorrow, 5 o'clock. Tigers coming in 20-6 and six overall. Uh, still kind of in that mess of four or five teams in the SEC towards the top at 9-4 and four in league play. Georgia finally got off the schneid after losing six in a row. They were able to beat lowly Vanderbilt on the road in the midweek. So Georgia 15-11, 5-8 overall. Probably not destined for the NCAA tournament, although uh, still with a couple weeks left, a couple good quad one opportunities. Uh, you never know if they were able to beat Auburn. Uh hang on beat lsu at the end of this month get up to 17 11 then you see how their march goes but uh for the tigers obviously having to deal without uh jalen williams he will be on this trip coach bruce pearl said the other day but again not playing against georgia we've spoken a couple times this week about how the tigers will need to react without him but this is to me guys the most I'm going to say most pivotal game remaining on the schedule. I understand Tennessee's the biggest game remaining. I understand that that's going to be a top 10, maybe even top five team, depending on, again, the rankings, because they are fifth right now, just depending on how they come out next week. But for me, this is a game that could start to really adversely affect Auburn's season. If Auburn loses to Tennessee, that's not going to change their seed line. It's not really going to do a whole lot big picture. But if they took a pretty bad loss to Georgia – and then on top of that, do lose to Tennessee as I expect them to, then that starts to really impact you, I feel, a little bit more so. And seed-wise, it would be two losses. be three losses in a row, actually, because it's not playing after the Kentucky game. And I just think the trajectory of the season feels different if they can't go and get this road win to Georgia. What are your thoughts on the magnitude of this game, and how do you see uh, some of the keys ironing out in this one? Yeah, I, I do think this is a very, very important game for Auburn. You got to be able to come in and still continue to prove that you are a top four team in the SEC, top five at least team in the SEC, right? Uh, that, that you're one of the better teams, that you're able to still go in, assert dominance. Yes, you don't have one of your top scorers in Jalen Williams, one of your better players, your veteran. You know, uh, Jalen does provide a lot, uh, I feel as though, on and off the court, uh, just in terms of stability and just his presence overall is is something uh that is is certainly necessary um but you don't have him uh, you know he is traveling bruce said uh that there's like an outside chance but i doubt it i i highly doubt that he's going to play uh at all like i, I there's yeah I, I just don't see that happening whatsoever um just i think he just needs to fig- take take this time to heal continue to um get himself better and, and and get back to at least a, a form where he will certainly be uh, as impactful as he has been uh, when he's, you know, been efficient and his usual self as Jalen Williams. Well, 
now you just got to like I, I think I said this on Wednesday. You got to everybody else kind of has to step up a little bit. You don't have Jalen anymore. It, it it honestly couldn't have come at a better time where you had this midweek bye where you were you didn't have to you didn't have to face an opponent while you're still trying to figure out how to I, I mean they're still going to have to figure out how to not how to play without Jalen, but you had a week of practice. You had time to be able to at least establish rotations and different things like that. Bruce had some time to look at some things, see what he thought might work best moving forward in this window where you don't have Jalen Williams. Uh, I, I think the guard play uh, is something that consistently it's got to – the guys have got to step up. J, uh, Aiden has to step up a little bit more, I feel, uh, just to pick up some of the scoring load uh, coming off the bench. And then Trey Donaldson, I think Trey – just needs to continue to do what he's kind of been doing. I think he's kind of had a little bit of, of, of a tough stretch the last couple games, but I, uh, you know, he got into the foul trouble, uh, and I think that highly uh, that obviously very much impacted his minutes. Uh, I, I do think we'll see some of some more of Denver Jones uh, at point guard. I think that will be something interesting uh, as well. But you know, you still have your guy, your catalyst, who is uh, Janai Broom, so you still need to be able to feed him. Uh, shouldn't have too tough of a matchup. Um, I, I, I think he'll be able to win that matchup, and, and uh, the guards for Georgia are, are still, you know, some some pretty tough guys. So you got to be able to lean on, uh, you know, your defense and and continue to have have a, a strong presence there, and uh, just be smart with the ball. Because I, I mean, Georgia is going to be a tough environment. It's tough to win on the road. We're seeing that time and time again, especially throughout this season in college basketball. You, you, it's just hard to win on the road, so you have to be smart. You got to be disciplined. Georgia's going to come out with the hair on fire, and you got to be able to to execute at a high level to get this win. So I I, I agree. I think this is a extremely important game, and uh, it's even more important whenever you realize. And I know we've all watched Auburn basketball on the road in Athens. Tough place to play for Auburn. They they haven't historically done well there, and uh, Georgia usually defends home court pretty well. And uh, Mike White seems to have them uh, trending in the right direction. I thought this would be the year they'd make the tournament. I really did, and it was looking like they were until they kind of fell off a cliff, kind of unexpectedly. But they they're still talented. They're still extremely talented, and they're still going to play hard at home and that that's i believe it's a sellout i believe mr childress was telling us earlier this week but um i think it's an incredibly important i think uh this is where you kind of are at a crossroads in your season i'm not saying this is the make or break i think this is just where you find out a lot about your team because now you've lost Jalen williams for a significant amount of time he's not going to play tomorrow spoiler alert uh you're on the road in a hostile environment with a in, a in an environment that you've struggled to win in um, historically, and they have a lot of good players on that team. I know Blue Kane. Uh, they have some other real He's deal. He's a bucket man. I'd say they have a lot of real deal players. They have a lot of walking buckets over there. So I think it's just incredibly important. And I would love to see Denver Jones at that point guard position. I, I liked what Trey. You know, Trey Donaldson got pretty hot there for a second but then he also just as hot as he got just as cold as he got so um i would like to see him get back into a rhythm i'm not saying completely bench him but i would like to see more denver jones action as i think he is an excellent scorer so 
Uh, I think this is an incredibly important game, and uh, I think we will find out a lot about this Auburn Tigers basketball team on Saturday, Ryan. Again, a very guard-heavy team for Georgia, uh, really of their top six or seven rotational guys, all guards. A couple of them are a little bigger guards, maybe more of small forwards, but still uh, not post players like Jabri Abdul-Rahim, who is their leading scorer, uh, like an R.J. Melendez. Also, four of their top six players in scoring are seniors, including another junior. So this is a little bit more veteran team with some of those freshmen uh, sprinkled in, like you guys said, with Blue Kane, who's uh, struggled a little bit in the efficiency department but makes some incredible shots from time to time. Silas DeMary is their top uh, top scoring freshman. This is a Mike White team. Uh, he is not really functioning much different at Georgia than he did at Florida. They are not really known for prolific offense. Uh, they are a little bit slower pace team. They they try to win with a little bit lower of a scoring game than, than most in college basketball. Uh, and that style is something uh, not too dissimilar from Mississippi State. And Auburn did struggle mightily on the road offensively at Mississippi State. So that game comes to mind a little bit. I am worried that this would be a lower scoring ball game uh, if Auburn is not able to, to find some contested buckets from, from time to time. I think this Auburn defense has continued to do a really good job. I know Florida did, did get them a little bit in Gainesville, but I'm sure everyone has noticed how Florida's played the last few weeks. They are turning a corner. Um, you, you look at uh, Auburn's defense outside of that, though, obviously dominant against South Carolina. Gave you a great chance against Kentucky, giving up 70 points, perfectly fine. We all know it was about the offense and, and the likes of going four of 22 from three and this, that, and the other thing offensively. Uh, so I think that the defense will will hold Georgia down. I don't expect Georgia to run wild here and, and, and make a bunch of threes and score 85 points or anything like that. So you're looking at more of a half-court game. You're looking at trying to get uh, contested shots up. And, again, that's where you really miss Jalen Williams because Jalen Williams pretty much didn't matter. I didn't feel like his yeah. shot percentage went up whether he was open or not. I right. feel like a late contested three could still be good, just as good as a wide-open three. I feel like a 12-foot – kind of left, uh, left-handed left shot in the paint would be just as effective as an open 16-footer. So um, you, you miss a guy like that against defensive teams, against teams that like to grind you a little bit more. Um, lineup-wise, here's the thing, is the more fascinating options for Auburn seem to be guard-related. You talked a little bit about Denver Jones at point. They seem, even without Jalen Williams being out of lineup, it already seemed like they had more guard-related options than they do kind of forward related combinations yeah absolutely you know i think you know they they could do what they did down in uh fiu uh you know with when denver jones was kind of their the focal point of the scoring and i'm not saying they're right they're not going i'm not saying you know they're going to say that janai broom is chopped liver i'm just saying that you know i think denver jones i'm not saying he hasn't been put to his full potential i'm not saying that but i think we can see now with the new style or the new rotation i should say the new rotation we can see um what denver jones can really do against sec competition as the uh, primary or the primary the second uh, scoring option yeah i think this will open up a lot for denver jones i i, I you know maybe get him going just because then 
maybe he'll get a few touches here and there with this absence of Jalen. He'll get a, he'll catch a little bit of a rhythm, and then you insert Jalen back into the lineup, and then Gen- Denver's not as uncomfortable getting as few touches, and then he's he's an, another legitimate scoring option. Yes, he is one right now, but he, like like Ryan said, you know. He's a he's a rhythm guy. He's kind of got to get those few shots up to kind of really get going. Uh, and, and he just hasn't had that opportunity. Well, now it seems like this will be that opportunity for him to get those shots up and really, uh, really um, be impactful on the offensive side of the ball. Let's head back to the orthopedic clinic phone line. Joining us again. Real Deal from Coosa County. Real Deal is back with us. Real Deal, good to hear from you again. I'm going to put some... Uh... Input on that that y'all are talking about about uh, all the basketball team. Sure. I'm not a great coach. Auburn has a pretty good basketball team if they focus more. They are not focused on the road. I played at the high school level. They crap. Uh, they not good on the road. That's bull. You got to. Focus on the road. I noticed the our team for South Carolina. That lady has no heroes, folks, on the road at home, uh, uh, anywhere. What's Auburn's problem? Auburn should have swept Alabama. Auburn's problem is they miss a whole lot of free throws, and they are not focused, and they risk them rest themselves, and they need to be more concentrated and just more focused. Seem like they rest themselves with a whole lot of things, and the comment I have about Alabama, that serious kid from God, he's not that good. He uh, carries the ball a whole lot. The officials just don't. Call it. They say he's the leading scorer in the SEC. I don't see how. If I was playing against them, I would go to a man-to-man. And uh, Johnson, I noticed when they played Auburn at Auburn, he shut Sears down before the half. And uh, they always set him up for the uh, three-pointer, all I see you got to do against Alabama and all these schools in college ball is stick these guys, man. All this stuff here. Auburn does too much hand-checking, and you got to stick these guys, and they always put their hands in these guys' face when they go shooting the threes. you got to get up on these guys and stick these guys and play solid defense. That's what I see this Auburn problem, and they, they free throws suck. They should have swept Alabama at Alabama. Alabama, I'm going to give you my honest opinion. It's that good. Alabama's big men are really too thin. They need to gain more weight. They need to hit a weight room. Now, don't get me wrong. Oaks is a good coach, but those guys are real small guys, and Everybody saying how far they gonna go off in the mass off in the Mars Madness. Alabama isn't big enough. They're tall and anchor. I'm gonna hang up and get you guys comments, but they 
they're not that good, but if Auburn just focus and stop thinking about that crap, you know, we on the road, you know, everybody on the road, it's tough to win on the road. And uh, Bruce Carroll isn't the same Bruce Carroll he was back in 2019. Bruce Carroll seemed like he was hard on those guys. Seemed like he's uh, lit up off his practice, how he practices them. They not as a hard nose Auburn as it was when they went to the Final Four. I'm going to hang up and just get your comments. All right, appreciate that phone call again. Real deal from Coosa County. A uh, lot there. Uh, I disagree with some. I agree with some of that. Guys, I don't know if there's anything particular you want to start off with. There was stuff about uh, Bruce at the end, Alabama, if they're good or not, uh, Auburn's focus, free throws, uh, defense. I think, I think, I, I, I think you're. I think you said it best. There is a pretty – there's some that you agree with and there's some that you right. disagree with. But I will say, him talking about the Alabama big men were spot on. Now I'm not they are not very good. On the big yeah, men are not, not good. That that is gonna be their downfall. That's why Alabama will not be a contender this year, is because their big men are not that good. And they're gonna to have to face like a Hunter Dickinson or they're gonna to have to face someone along those lines who have a dominant big and it's just gonna eat them up. I mean you even saw what Janai did. Oh, no, absolutely. Right? That, I mean I mean Janai gave him twenty five both games, right? I mean Yeah, absolutely. I mean case so. in point right there. And um the Bruce Pearl uh in, in, inquiry, uh that is uh yeah, I, that's one of those that I don't agree with. Yeah, that, I, I didn't catch what he fully said. I, I, I didn't. I didn't all the way. What did, what did he saying? Say? They're not. Uh, he's not coaching them as tough. Um, but, uh, yeah. I and here's what here's what I'll say. And he he referenced the 2019 Final Four team. Um, I want. I do want to remind you why that 2019 team got going where it did. Uh, it's because the guard play became unbelievable. Yeah, it became and insane. And they, that's what. Yeah. They they lost ten games that year. Again, they were not technically as good in the regular season as they were the year before when they split the SEC title Remember that uh, for the first time. They were the five seed coming into that SEC tournament, and then they got red hot red in the NCAA, hot. in the SEC tournament. Harper and Brown and Okiki and all those guys just started hitting every three, and the identity of that team was, yes, they played good defense too. I mean, they were complete, but really what unlocked them is that Harper and Brown and Okiki and even Dunbar off the bench just did not miss for a month. Uh, and, and, and that's kind of how it went. I mean, they're big guys, Macklemore and Spencer and uh, Wiley, I guess, a little bit. I mean, those guys were not really that productive. And I, yeah. I mean, I feel like Macklemore was pretty. Yeah, I mean, pretty, like he was fine, but yeah. I'm saying, like, when you cite the top two or three no, reasons yeah, yeah. of the team. No, it was, it was the guard right. play. Yeah, it was, I, and I agree and of you. the power forward center persuasion, you definitely go Okiki first. And he's a stretch four that, that did play solid defense, too. He's a complete player. That's why he made the NBA. But, um, I, I would say that again. I'm not at practice. I have no idea if they're uh, competing as hard at practice. I, I, I do understand the the media comments that he's had, which you might be referring to, where he's said, you know, kind of be patient with them a little bit more this year as opposed to other years and that sort of thing. But um, yeah, again, I, I I don't really see a ton going wrong there. I do think one thing I agreed with was the focus issue, and I think that that is not necessarily even confined i think that was one of the reasons we saw them lose to kentucky i thought that they were focused in a different way i thought that they were uh not focused on making the right basketball player they were focused on making the highlight play and i think that's what got them early in that game and then 
uh, as the game progressed, it just waned into them just not making anything and um, not making great decisions all over the place. The the focus part of the road, I mean, again, I, I do think that they have had their some of their worst turnover games. That's part of focus. Um, and I think that this team, as a lot of the Auburn teams has, has fed off the crowd to an nth degree. Everyone plays better at home. That is no secret. Uh, but they have to get their guys – more focused on and, and, and directing the energy into the little things on the road. Again, rather than the highlight, rather than the big dunk or three or that sort of thing, be just as excited about knocking the ball out of bounds on the deflection than you are getting an open layup. And and doing those little things right uh, becomes a very important part of, of road games. So for that instance, I do agree on the focus um, I think there's also something about Alabama in there. I do think that their bigs, I agree, are, are not very productive bigs. Um, the only way that they are physical is when they swing at people's heads. Um, and so they are, are they're not that. I do think, that, unfortunately, I, I take zero pleasure in this. I do think they are a good team. Uh, I think they're actually really good. Uh, they, uh, unfortunately, have, have gotten just enough uh, they're not a good defensive team, but they've gotten enough situationally, whether it be rebounding or a, a stop here, stop there, that that's kind of all it takes with them. Um, they were not making any threes at all against Florida in the first half of that game, and they stopped taking them for a while, which was odd, but they were still hanging yeah. in the game to the point where they finally started to make them. That then evened the game up. And then, of course, they, they held on and won in overtime, but – um, you know, I, I think that they will lose again in conference play, but I'm I'm not even sure they'll lose twice more in conference play. They could. There's about three losable games left for them, including one at Kentucky. But they play a style of offense which, again, I, I can't stand Nate Oates as a human being. <laughs> but I think that as a coach, he his system is a system I very much agree with. And if you watch their shot, uh, shot charts, Dude. they are not taking 19-footers. They are taking threes and layups, threes, threes and, and layups. layups. That, that chart, did you see that chart? That, yep. Uh, it's it's insane. It was literally threes. And I, I don't remember what game that was. I wish I knew. I, it was it was two games ago, not the Florida game, but whatever. I guess that was the LSU game that they played maybe. Yeah. Um, where it was literally threes. And they didn't have one shot out of the paint that was a two. One, not a single one. one. One that counted as a two that was taken as a three, but his foot was on the line, so it counted as a two. That was the only one. But again, it was a, it was meant to be a three-point attempt. So it, it, it's really insane, and it, it, it works so well. Uh, and it's really been a system that he's wanted to um, – I mean, it's, it's one that he's been running for so long, but this is a team that runs it very, very well. Yeah, I, and I, I hate it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, right. I'm, just, I'm, right. I'm, I'm not a fan, uh, but right again, it. of that style of play, I think that is a smart way of playing it. I do think you have to be careful not to overdo certain things in terms of if you have a wide open two, that's a 15 foot elbow jumper. You still take that, and you still, but but in general, the thought exercise of if you're taking jump shots, you're taking threes, and otherwise you're getting to the rim. That's a pretty fundamentally solid thought exercise that you don't need numbers to think about hey a, a three is better than a 19 footer and a layup is better than a 14 foot floater i mean like th those those make sense so 
Uh, I think they've played pretty smart, and uh, yeah, they, they're they're tough, and we'll see how Tennessee does in, in Coleman because that's one of Alabama's two conference losses, obviously at Tennessee and at Auburn. And, and and look, Auburn almost almost had them in Tuscaloosa. They almost came back. They did miss that free throw. Um, I, I do want to debunk one more thing when we do need to go to break. So I understand that people always agonize over free throws, and certainly that free throw hurt a lot. I do want to remind people, though, that this is the best foul-shooting Auburn team, I believe, of the Bruce Pearl era. Uh, Percentage-wise, they are uh, up to 75.7%. That is 39th in the country. That's better than... They're they're pretty good at shooting free throws. That's better than more than 300 teams in the country. So uh, I I understand any missed free throws regrettable, and and that one in particular, the Baker-Mazzara one at the end, was, was sucked, but they were 14 of 18 that game. That was 78%. And, again, they're top 40 in the country, so there's a little room to improve there, but it is far better than some of these other Auburn teams at the foul line, I I can tell you that. And maybe it just feels like it's not because Broom takes a lot of free throws and and he's in the low 60s, but just about everybody else on the team is 75% plus, and, you know, it's hard to to ask for much more. Yeah, it really is hard to ask for much more. Well, it's such a drastic improvement from year to year in a couple of these guys for sure. Yeah. And so let's go ahead and take our first time out of the 4 o'clock hour. On the other side, more of your phone calls on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. You're listening to the Friday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Sports Call is on the air weekdays from 3 until 6 p.m. Want more Sports Call? Check us out online at sportscallauburn.com. Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9. Ryan Lavoy, Cam Berry, and T.P. Hammock with you here on this Friday edition of the program. Let's head back to the Orthopedic Clinic phone line, 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Next up this afternoon, Ward Dam Steve. Retired Ward Dam Steve is with us. Steve, how are you this afternoon? Hey, good afternoon, gentlemen. Thank you always for taking my phone call. Uh, it's fun Friday. Um so much to talk about and so little time to do it in, guys. Yes, sir. I love your thoughts and comments about a wide variety of subjects. Uh, but first, the birthdays. Boy, I told myself I must really be getting old. Uh, I remember these guys because I watched them play uh, live on TV, Two Tall Jones. And you guys, I know you've heard me talk about one of the best receivers I thought ever uh, in the NFL, Mr. Fred Bolitnikoff. 
Yes, sir. A couple great ones today. Yep. And then I had no clue that Tom Osborne was still alive. <laughs> <laughs> he is. He's still kicking at 87. Wow. Okay. Well, uh, that gives me some hope then. All right. And then, guys, I heard your comments about, and I heard real deal about our upcoming uh, win total for the football season. And I- I'm seeing just some different things, guys. You tell me where my, my logic is flawed. Last year, we should have won eight damn games. We never should have lost to New Mexico State. Right. And should have legitimately, incredibly, beaten down Alabama, except for a bizarro you know, ending. And we had probably the worst offensive play calling. Uh, it was a shambles. I mean, it was a discombobulated. Uh, it was like, who's on first? I don't know who's on second, you know. Uh, and with given that, guys, we've got a quarterback, uh, I think probably going to be a starter unless something drastically uh, happens from the portal, who is experienced now, who will have, yes, a different offensive coordinator, but this person actually agrees and works with apparently Hugh Freeze, and Hugh Freeze is going to be calling the shots more. Uh, and then we've got some receivers who actually hopefully uh, can do a lot better than what we've been having last season. I mean, it's not all Peyton Thorne. You know, you know, guys, you know, you watch. There were so many passes that were dropped and receivers who didn't run the right routes or who just didn't even catch the ball. Right. Uh, and they didn't know where they were going. They couldn't, they, they, they couldn't break free half the time. So given all that, guys, I'm going with eight and four. Yeah, well, look, and, and I think that when you're thinking of it that way, and I agree, there was there's a lot of ifs in, in everyone's season, but those are pretty obvious ifs. If you defend one play 30-something yards, then you, you win the Iron Bowl and, and obviously took an absolute nap against New Mexico State, and, and they overwhelmed Auburn, shockingly. Um, so, I mean, look, the pathway's there, and, and I, we're not saying anything about what the ceiling can't be, but also you've got to at some point have um, improvement at the quarterback position or else it does limit you in, in, in other ways. And I, I think that with such an unknown there, because it seems, I, I guess you could say it's more known, but the known is not good. The known is Peyton Thorne was not productive. And, I, I, yes, there are well, plenty of reasons. Caveats for that, though, Ryan. Right, and, and you provided good reasons, and, and you provided plenty of reasons for that. But uh, at the end of the day, you are talking about having these freshmen come in and be awesome from the word go, and a couple of them might. Uh, they they very well might, but it will not just be as simple as there is more talent out there. Peyton Thorne is just going to automatically be a lot better. There. He will still have to read defenses correctly in the RPO game. He will still have to process information better than he did last year. And won't he know, won't he know the play calling better? Well, I think the play calling probably will be better. I mean, that's a fair point, too. But you can go all these things, and, and, and you can come up with, sure, the offense will be better. But also, guess what? The defense will have a lot of work to do to be as good as they were last year because they lost a lot of important players uh, off the back end and they need more production up in the front four, front seven. So it's very possible the offense will need to not just take one step forward, at least a couple steps forward, because it's possible the defense takes a step back with all the roster turnover there. Okay, fair enough. I'm just, I'm, I'm hoping and I'm thinking uh, that our, uh, our, our bottom 
is seven wins. And that hopefully our best likelihood is eight wins. Yeah, it's going to be hard to dispute those right now because I do want to see the, the team in spring and I do want to see if there is a late quarterback development. I mean, remember Peyton Thorne was brought in after the spring last year. So, I, again, dude, I, I, if it is Peyton Thorne, then we can talk about numbers right now. But um, I do want to see his improvement. I want to see if anyone else gives him a run in the spring if that is truly an open competition. So, again, we, we do remind ourselves this is six months out. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I mean, again, I I don't think the ceiling or I don't think the floor is worse than last year. Uh, but I don't I don't know where the ceiling and most probable outcome is quite yet. Okay, fair enough. Uh, moving on, guys, to your discussion on the NIL. Uh, I've not been in favor of him. Charles Barkley, I think a few days ago, I read he he said he thought you know he's just made uh, college football uh, just a disaster. Uh, what I want to bring to your attention, though, this is something I remember reading from Philip Marshall. He's mentioned it several times in some columns, is that the NCAA is governed by the presidents of those universities and their ADs. And so I found it odd that Tennessee and Virginia are attacking the NCAA when they're part of the NCAA membership. Well, I mean, the NCAA has... Yes, I understand presidents and ADs are involved there, but also the NCAA has some of its governing body that kind of acts separately or acts ahead of schedule because uh, they also, I mean, they they also make some rules that they're not really these these other presidents and ADs are not really a part of the process in as much. Um, so yes, you look at it in a way as that, and and the NCAA will say you kind of helped agree to this, but. Then you get, I mean, again, it, it's kind of murky about how much enforcement power there is and what all was, re- I mean, what all is really agreed to. And it's just, it's pretty convoluted, honestly. Yeah. And I'm thinking, you know, like, like, I kind of like to uh, agree with you guys say, you know, uh, it's not my favorite, uh, uh, I guess, path that college football is turning to. Maybe they should be just a separate, you know, football, leave it alone. Uh, you can do whatever the heck you want to. Have portals, you know, open the entire season, uh, uh, signing any time of the year, you know, and just let it wild, wild west with it. But the rest of it, leave it alone. But the NCAA still have power over, you know, Title IX games, uh, women's basketball, men's basketball, uh, tennis, hockey, and, and let that be their purview. In fact, I remember Phil Marshall saying several times, the NCAA makes no money off football. They make it off basketball. You you know that, right, guys? Yeah, it's kind of inverted where the schools all predominantly make the money off football. But yeah, the because of the success of the NCAA basketball tournament, which is beautifully run, which I think we all really love that about college athletics. Uh, that's where because the college football playoff is kind of a separate thing. Again, they're not you know they're not getting all that, and and it it is they they are in charge of running the basketball tournament, where they are not really in charge of running the football tournament. So. I, we were aware of that, but um, yeah, I think to think TP, you've got some thoughts, real quick. Yeah, yeah uh, the thought of like just leaving college football kind of to do its own thing. That that's very similar to uh, what Chip Kelly proposed uh, whenever he was at UCLA last year. He said that uh, it was kind of in the heart of realignment. He proposed the idea of 
let the comp let schools change conferences but just for football you know let them do all this just for their own football why why does you know why does women's soccer have to you know get involved in something that's just purely a football move so i think that's a really well put point i think you know it makes a lot of sense whenever you put it like that but um you know, I, I kind of feel that way as well. I think football could kind of govern itself, and uh, the NCAA could do the rest of the sports, and I imagine they're probably pretty vital for those other sports. But at the end of the day, it does look like the NCAA is kind of, you know, on its last legs. And uh, and like I said to Cam earlier, I think it's getting reverted into just a party planner for the March Madness tournament. Yeah, and, you know, yeah, let's, let's be a funny candidate. I mean – how many people playing soccer or tennis or golf are going to get big mouths of NIL money? Yeah, only only a very, very few uh, that are well-known for maybe even other reasons other than the athletics part of it. Right. Okay, moving on, uh, gentlemen. About tomorrow night's game, I have been so abysmal at predicting. I'm not going to even make a, a prediction, but I read on uh, 247 Sports uh, bloggers on there or posters uh, brought up something last night and said, oh, come on, this has got to be a, a, just a bad rumor. And they were saying something that they were here that Chad Baker may not be playing. I have not seen that. You have not heard anything or read anything about that? No, I'll double no. check, but I have not. I have um, also no. not yeah. seen that. Okay, because we sure don't want him to be out. And uh, it, it looks like to you guys we're going to be struggling in this game because uh, I'm thinking we either – We'll lose a close one, or we blow them out. Uh, I don't think I don't Auburn's think those are blow the, them out. Yeah, and no. I don't think those are the two I options. Out, we, we win by double digits. I, I don't know. I mean, to be fair, what Auburn has still not won the single digit game yet this year. No, yeah. Uh, so, uh, I mean, logically, you would think <laughs> that's that, all that's happened right, this year. If is they Auburn's, win, they win right. by double digits. If they lose, it's going to be a close single digit loss. Going by. Yeah, I just we don't, we don't lose. We don't win single digit games. I just think without Jalen Williams, me seeing Auburn easily win this game does not no, feel like I that is very likely. Um, I, I think Auburn can win this game, but I don't think that they, unless everyone just has a magical shooting night, I I think this will be a pretty close game, and I, 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 I it could go either way. But I don't I don't see a blowout. Hi, Mr. Oddsmaker Ryan Lavoy. I haven't seen a line yet. What do you make it? Oh, I haven't seen it either. Uh, I was pretty wrong on the on the uh, last game. I I think uh, I think I would favor Auburn, but by only about two or two and a half points, I would make it very wow. close. Yeah, I was going to go four and a half. I think it's going to be pretty close because I do think people will care about Jalen Williams not being there. Uh, this being a road game. I mean, if Auburn was hosting Georgia, which they will do in a couple weeks, I would make the line probably Auburn favored by I don't know twelve, thirteen, uh, but. I, I think this will be a couple points. Yeah, I, I I love looking at Vegas odds, and I haven't looked at them yet, and I'm going to look at them before I give this guess. But I'm going to go with about – I'll go with conservatively five. I'll go okay, with five. so will go five. A little okay. bit higher because okay. Vegas has been very favorable towards Auburn this year, at least betting, betting line-wise. Okay. Um, you think this will be a low-scoring game? I, I would tend that way. I, I think that – Mike White teams—they're not fast-paced. They don't—they're uh, not usually amongst the higher-scoring teams in the league. They're—I think Georgia's somewhere in the mid-seventies this year, uh, which is kind of on par for Mike White teams. Uh, they're not great percentage-wise. 
Um, you know, I I would be surprised if either I, I personally I'd be surprised if either team got the eighty in this game. I really would be. Uh, who do you think needs to have a breakout game in this for us? So I think that either Denver Jones or Chad Baker Mazzara. Um, I know that some might think Cheney Johnson for the the sole purpose of he is also a power forward. He is probably to gain the most minutes from Jalen Williams not playing because I think that uh, overall Chad Baker Mazzara already plays 23, 24 minutes a game. And I think that you can only play these guys so much. So Cheney will play more, but I think it's more on uh, CBM and more on Denver Jones from a scoring perspective because I'm not sure if you give more shots to Cheney Johnson that that's automatically a, a good thing. Um, it depends on what kind of shots they are. He's not been a good shooter from the perimeter. And then I think that with Chad Baker Mazar, he has steadily improved throughout the year uh, from from the outside. And I think Denver Jones, again, we keep talking about him. I, I really have this feeling he's a guy that if you give a higher volume to, the proficiency will come. Uh, and you will see more of the guy that was a 20-point scorer at FIU last year. So I think scoring-wise, Chad Baker-Mazzara, Denver Jones, those guys need to step up. I hate to uh, I hate to backtrack, but I did get that official number, and uh, we were all wrong. Uh, Auburn is favored by 7.5. Really? Yep. That high? Yep, 7.5. I'm okay. I'm right now. All the sports books have as that. Wow. Wow. Okay. I mean, I, I, I hope – I, I, I told you I, they I'm, like Auburn. This, I'm, <laughs> I'm pre-stressed though, Steve. So I, I would be, I would be taking the under. But uh, I hope, I hope for it to be that easy. Uh, I thought maybe you guys might say in terms of bringing up Aiden Holloway. Is he not ever going to have a game he can break it out to be the one that that we thought he was going to be? I feel like this year he is just not going to be someone that Auburn can rely on. Uh, they're still going to play him. Uh, we're still going to hope he can refine it from the first ten or so games this year, the Baylor game, the Indiana game, etc. But um, I, I would not surprise me if this is just kind of what he is the rest of this year. Uh, as I've said many times, I don't think that this is who he will be his entire career. I think he will figure it out, but. Uh, you know, he's down to thirty percent from the field, and that—that's just. Uh, there's no way around it. It's just terrible. It's not good at all. And and so, so you don't think he can he can uh, undo this, this this season? Then he will need one complete yeah. game where it's awesome from start to finish. Not not like some three of six game. I'm talking like he would need one explosion to where he just the the light clicks and he has like 19 points on like seven of 11 and hits four or five threes and it's just it's just all there because he's hit I, I the couple of shots he's hit the last few weeks he's immediately missed the next three like he can't parlay anything in a row so unless he has a full-fledged start to finish he is on game which i'm personally not anticipating i just don't think the light's going to click on for him this year Okay, fair enough. Be real quickly, guys. Uh, speaking of it happens, I thought about Tom when I read this from Bleacher Report. This Caitlin Clark did something uncharacteristically. She was abysmal last night, losing, gotten upset uh, by uh, uh, Indiana. Yeah, that's uh, they, yeah. They 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 lost and went even close, eighty six to sixty nine. Yeah, I, I know she was she eight of twenty six something like that. Yeah, that was a, that's a rough one. Three that's of a rough sixteen one. on three shot on three point attempts. Yep. 
What's yeah, crazy is obviously. Michael Wilbon called that. Oh, really? Like, he called mm-hmm. that on, on PTI. He was like, I just have a feeling. He's like, they're good, but I just think they're going to lose in Indi- at Indiana tonight. And he, he yeah, got beat pretty on. good. Beat, beat by I mean, 17. it was really yeah. bad. I mean, I read when she has been averaging 49 points a game. She, she finished last night 24 points. Yeah. I mean, look, and uh, m- m- most people will take 24, but you're right. The, the efficiency part of that, she had five turnovers as well. It, as great as she and every, I mean, she's awesome. Uh, you're going to have one or two clunkers, and uh, yeah, I'm not too worried <laughs> worried about her overall. But yeah, that was a that was a bad performance, no doubt about it. So it just uh, confirmed for me. I guess you guys are right, and I I just can't get it. You know, a person who can be that darn good and getting ready to break all kind of records with Pete Maravich, you know, uh, in, in in her mirrors, uh, she had a really, really, really bad bad night. All right. Uh, softball team just saw that we won eight to nothing yep no hitter yep yep and a uh, weedra is that her name weedra annabelle weedra yep yeah scored uh hit two home runs yeah i mean a, a very un- unlikely combo there yeah shelby low with the with the no hitter and then uh weedra she she did hit and pitch uh, uh you know coming, coming towards auburn and and so that was a possibility they didn't use her all season long in the lineup, but she did play some. And so uh, I think they're looking for a lot of different options right now, hitting-wise, because they've got some work to do with the lineup. All right. I know the time is way, way up, but let me give you Yeah, last fun. thing. This category is in the department of you just can't make this stuff up. Are you kidding me? I didn't even know this, guys, but Major League Baseball players are wearing oh, one no. transparent yeah. uniform pants. Yeah. Uh, we, I was going to – Bring it up, but we had time today, Steve. It's it's revealing for all the wrong reasons. Yeah, I'm just yeah. Okay, how revealing is this stuff? But what I got to ask you guys: this supposedly the uniforms were, were designed by Nike. Okay, now surely they didn't do this in some you know dark closet somewhere, and nobody just seen until the <laughs> last second. You know, uh, and fanatics is selling them. But then I read, well, the uh, some baseball players are up in arms about it, uh, and they were lambasting it. But then, wait a minute now. Uh, does this have to be approved by the union uh, itself, the players' union, along with uh, the, uh, the the rest of the team and the managers? I mean, how does this happen? I'm not sure what the process is. I mean, you do have to agree to an, with an apparel company, and that's approved by all parties. But what they actually make for you, I, I don't know who all has to approve that. Okay, well, one of the outfitters, Taylor Ward, said the uniform looks like a replica and feels papery. Yikes. Yeah, they also yeah, the players have also said not only are we seeing what it looks like, they're also talking about how it just objectively doesn't feel as good to wear. So it, it sounds like it's awful all the way around. Okay, so with that, I thought that was funny. Well uh you guys have a nice and relaxing weekend. And uh gosh, Marty, I hope uh I hope I hope your anxiety is not mine. Uh Ryan's about to Fair be enough. a close game. Fair enough. All right. We'll talk to you on Monday, guys, until then. War you always. Oriole Steve, we appreciate that phone call. Hope you have a great weekend, sir. That is Retire Ward AM Steve joining us on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. We are out of time for hour number two of the program. Coming up in the 5 o'clock hour, Sports Call 5 at 5, presented by Southeastern Land Group. Also a little bit more on Auburn and Georgia and the SEC basketball slate this weekend. Also our What to Watch for over the weekend. You're listening to the Friday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9.
two hours of sports call are finished. Don't touch that radio dial. We've got one more hour to go. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9 FM, WTGZ Tuskegee Auburn, and AM620 WTRP LaGrange. Whether you're leaving work, cruising around town, or listening on demand, we've still got some fun left for you. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show has been on the air since 1995 and is ready for 60 more minutes of fun. Now, let's get this hour of Sports Call started. Third and final hour of Sports Call starting right now. Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. Ryan LaVoy, Cam Berry, and T.P. Hammock with you here on this Friday edition of the program. As we kick off the 5 o'clock hour, let's get to today's Sports Call 5 at 5, and it's again presented by Southeastern Land Group. John Harden and Brian Watts are your local land advisors with Southeastern Land Group. Land is always a sound financial investment but it's also an investment in time with your family and friends, and Brian and John can help you find the perfect property. If you're looking to sell your land and get maximum exposure, potential buyers, your friends at Southeastern Land Group can also help you with that too. Call John Harden at 334-524-2756 or call Brian Watts at 334-707-4273 or find them online at selandgroup.com. Today for the Sports Call 5 at 5, we're going to take a trip around Auburn Athletics this weekend with five of the programs in action throughout this weekend. Pretty big stakes as we get towards the end of February and get to the beginning of March. Some of these programs are getting to their last competitions of the regular season, so let's get to it in the Sports Call 5 at 5, presented by Southeastern Land Group. Number one. Tonight in Neville Arena, number 12 Auburn Gymnastics against number 13 Missouri. The final home meet for the Tigers and a big one. As Auburn, Missouri, again, number 12 and number 13, the standings, number 16, or the top 16 qualify uh, for the NCAA tournament there in the finals. And so uh, Missouri is one of the teams you're trying to keep behind you. Number 12 is not incredibly safe, but it's a good position to be in. But Auburn would really like to beat Missouri tonight. I know it's usually about score, but if you beat number 13, you know they stay behind you. So uh, that would be a big one tonight for Auburn Gymnastics. They will have one uh, excuse me, two more meets uh, after this one, but they are both on the road. They will go to Athens next Friday, and they will go to Baton Rouge to take on both LSU, or all three of LSU, George Washington, uh, and the Texans Women's University uh, in gymnastics. So a uh, big one for Auburn in their season finale at Neville Arena in gymnastics tonight. Number two. Of course, the Auburn men's basketball program in action this weekend in Athens, 5 o'clock tip. For the Tigers and the Bulldogs, again, we've talked a little bit about that one so far today. Big one for Auburn. First game without Jalen Williams. Hopefully they only miss him for a game or two, uh, but he will not be playing tomorrow. So the Tigers try to figure out how to get a road win against the rival on the heels of losing at home to Kentucky and having the midweek off. Number three. Auburn women's basketball will 
host Texas A&M this Sunday inside of Neville Arena. The Tigers uh, are right in the midst of it. The last check of Charlie Cream's ba- uh, bracketology had Auburn as one of the last four in in women's basketball. They fought to the death with LSU and Baton Rouge last night. They were just short, losing 71-66. to But, again, another valiant effort for the Auburn women's basketball Tigers as uh, they did beat LSU Neville Arena earlier this year and uh, held on. Couldn't quite get over the hump, but lose by five on Thursday. So, again, they'll place Texas A&M on Sunday. Auburn, just three conference games remaining. The A&M game on Sunday, Mississippi State Neville Arena on Thursday of next week, and a trip to Gainesville on March the 3rd. So three more SEC conference games for Auburn women's basketball. Next up in the Sports Call 5 at 5, presented by Southeastern Land Group. Number four. Auburn baseball trying to find a way to – get the game in today there's rain in jacksonville it's already pushed the schedule back it's going to push it back even more but auburn trying to play number 18 iowa tonight in the jacksonville college baseball classic tomorrow an 11 a.m game is scheduled against wichita state and on sunday a 3 p.m battle against number 10 virginia butch thompson's club is four and oh to begin the season uh, with a sweep of Eastern Kentucky and a Tuesday game against UAB. So Auburn trying to see where they're at nationwide, if they could have a productive weekend. Hopefully all the polls would have them in the top 25 if they are able to have a good weekend. But first, the rain's got to let them do it, as, again, the game before was uh, suspended for a little while and is suspended again because of rain. So we'll see if Auburn and number 18 Iowa can end up playing tonight. And last up on the Sports Call 5 at 5, presented by Southeastern Land Group, taking a check of Auburn Athletics. Number 5. Auburn softball in action for the second time this year at home after a successful trip to Mexico after they defeated Wichita State, UC Davis, and a top-20 team in Utah won nothing. Their game against Clemson was canceled. They're in the Plainsman invite this weekend at J.B. Moore Field. And uh, as we alluded to, uh, with Steve there at the end of that hour, already a successful first game against Southeastern Missouri State. Uh, they defeated Southeast Missouri State 8-0 with a no-hitter from Shelby Lowe. They'll be in action again tomorrow twice. They'll play Northern Iowa, then Southeast Missouri State, and then they'll have one game on Sunday against Northern Iowa. They were also scheduled to play Longwood at some point, but Longwood ended up having to cancel their trip uh, in this tournament. So four games for the Tigers this weekend and then they'll be back in action in the midweek next week in Birmingham at UAB. So that is a look around Auburn Athletics with uh, some of the teams getting towards either the bat of all sports starting the season, still trying to figure out where they stand, and uh, with the other sports there, gymnastics and basketball, starting to wind down their conference schedules in anticipation of the postseason. So with that, let's go ahead and take our first break of the 5 o'clock hour. We come back a little bit more about Auburn basketball and also look around the rest of SEC basketball, update you on the standings and the big matchups in college basketball coming up this weekend. You're listening to the Friday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9.
want to call into the show, send us your thoughts via email. You've got mail. Sports call at the tiger.fm. I'm Britt Bowen, voice of Auburn women's basketball and Auburn softball. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Welcome back to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, T.P. Hammock, and Cam Berry with you here on this Friday. Again, a reminder that if you ever miss Sports Call Live or if you want to hear something, again, go back and check it out on the Sports Call podcast presented by Coca-Cola, available wherever you may get your podcast. All right, so let's talk a little SEC basketball. Again, Auburn and Georgia, 5 o'clock tomorrow. Uh, Georgia trying to make one last gasp effort towards the NCAA tournament bubble. Uh, clearly short of it right now, but a win against Auburn would help immensely. Uh, Tigers needing to right the ship. Other action around the SEC, Missouri and Arkansas in the snooze fest of the weekend. Uh, you've got number 24, Florida, hosting Vandy in what could be the blowout of the weekend. Number 20, South Carolina, goes to Ole Miss. Ole Miss really in need of a quality win. Uh, number 13, Alabama, goes to number 17, Kentucky, and what should be a good one. Texas A&M has got to stop losing to bad teams, but they play a really good team in Tennessee on the road. That's the ESPN game on 7 o'clock. And then Mississippi State travels to LSU, where LSU's won a couple games in a row against ranked teams, Kentucky and South Carolina. Mississippi State, another bubble-type team in the SEC that would prefer not to lose to a team below them in the standings, guys. So uh, several good storylines to pick from there uh, this week in the SEC. Absolutely. I mean, there's – some really good uh, basketball games. It's going to be interesting to see how Kentucky can bounce back tomorrow after, you know, they had the high of beating Auburn at Auburn first time in the year or so, and then uh, went on the road and then lost to, I'll, I'll say, it, an average LSU team. And so now they, they get to host Alabama at Rupp, and I do think they can win that. But this isn't a great Kentucky team. I'm, I, you know, I still feel the same way. I know they came in and they pretty, they hand, they handled, uh, or they did a good job of maintaining Auburn. It didn't really feel like Auburn real. I mean, Auburn never even led. So I think, you know, I, th- I don't think this is a good Kentucky team still, but I do think they will beat Alabama tomorrow. And there are some other really good games there, like you said. I'm really interested in that South Carolina-Mississippi one, because, or Ole Miss, I should say. I was reading Mississippi. Uh, you know, South Carolina, you know, they got all the AP love in the world, and now they have to go to Ole Miss. Like you said, Ole Miss needs this win. They do need a, you know, a big win. I know it technically wouldn't be a I do not believe this would be a quad one game, but, you know, I'm not Joe Lenardi, so I don't know it off the top of my head. But I know that Ole Miss has been pretty up and down this year, and uh, if they got a win over a team that, at least voter-wise, has gotten a lot of love and attention, and I know they're at least like a six seed. Another like a six or a low, a low five seed. So if Ole Miss can get that win, I think they can really submit themselves into the uh, tournament conversation as a whole. And uh, and Cam, what about you? What games interest you this weekend? Yeah, so this Kentucky-Alabama game obviously is a, is a very, very interesting one. Should be a really fun one uh, to watch. Um, I, I've, I, felt, I find it interesting. Like, yes, Auburn did get blown out, you know, yeah, beat pretty bad at, at home against this Kentucky team. But I saw a stat that was so interesting that it was it said that Auburn had 
I think it was like 13 shots that were considered to be wide open shots and they missed 10 of them that I mean that right there in itself is is the difference in the game and then they missed all of their pull-up jumpers so that that was kind of the difference in the game I felt like that Auburn kind of beat themselves yes Kentucky played very hard yes they they executed well they did everything they were supposed to all of that of course uh and they they did of course win the game but I felt like they kind of um, Auburn beat themselves to an extent. This Kentucky team is is a relatively, I'd say, average team. They're a solid team. Uh, they have plenty of talent. Rob D- Rob Dillingham, just to name DJ Wagner. I mean, they they have plenty of talent on the roster to be able to to get things done. I I do agree with you, TP, that that they can they can win this game. Uh, you know, Alabama coming off of the high that they're they're dealing with a uh, overtime win against a pretty tough and, and uh, um. Florida team that that was playing just some phenomenal basketball. Uh, so you're not you don't know if they're going to have Latrell Wrightsell back uh, with his head injury, um, and I think that's a big loss for. I mean, I think I think that's a big loss for Alabama. Honestly, Wrightsell Wrightsell is a forty percent three point shooter. Like the dude can can really shoot, man. Like he's he's, he's a really good six yeah, man for him. Dude, he's he's a great sixth man. I felt like that they were missing him really bad against Florida. Uh because even even when you're missing, it seemed like it was either going to be Reitzel or, you know, Sears can kind of turn it on. He, he I mean he he's an SEC player of the year candidate. You know, he he's a phenomenal player. He kind of turned it on at the back end of the game. Uh but when 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 Alabama was missing all those threes, it was you know, you can you, you could have relied on a guy like Reitzel Jr. to kind of get those catch and shoot, or, or you know, Rylan Griffin. He was he's he also has the ability to do this, where he can catch and shoot and, and get you up a three and kind of kind of build that momentum. So it'll be interesting. That's a really good game. Uh, South Carolina's got to figure out a way to bounce back uh, and and get a win uh, against a, a pretty tough Ole Miss team at home. So that'll be an interesting one to see. Uh, and, and same with Ole Miss, who's trying to uh, trying to bounce back as well after a loss against Miss. Mississippi State, if I remember correctly, they lost on Wednesday. Yeah, they lost. They lost. They lost on Wednesday. Yeah, and so, uh, and they lost at home. So I think that'll be a one that they want to be able to bounce back and get as well. Uh, And then uh, you know every other game kind of, but uh, you know Tennessee and Texas A and M that that one shouldn't be too much of of a problem for Tennessee. I feel like uh, you're you're in Knoxville. You should you should probably. Uh, get that game but Texas A&M seems to get up for those type of games even though it is in Knoxville so it will be interesting to see how they play out I agree with you Ryan they just need to quit losing to bad teams like it's so weird how how Texas A&M has kind of how their season has transpired because you look at them they're six and seven in the SEC but I mean these losses are just like just terrible losses. It's yeah, just one, two of them in a row. Yeah, you just, just can't just, have. You just can't have. If hey. they just win those games, they're yeah. probably not in any danger. No, to determine now not in any danger at all. Now, yes, I agree. So you know, it, it's rough. It is rough for them. So, yeah, it, it'll be interesting. Uh, and and Kentucky, I think they're going to be pretty motivated to bounce back after losing to LSU. Or after losing to LSU, like you said, uh, TP, just a, a very middle of the pack LSU team. Not great uh by any means um you know they've gotten some decent wins under their belt but not a phenomenal team um a team that has some potential down the line uh maybe with with how they're coached and and things like that their coach seems to be i think he's a pretty decent coach so uh they have they kind of have a little something going there but uh kentucky 
will want to bounce back. We'll want to beat this Alabama team. So you'll you'll it'll be interesting to see uh, how how that game uh, plays out. But Alabama and Kentucky. Ole Miss and, and South Carolina, those are my two that I'm, I'm really having circled. And then, of course, Auburn and, and Georgia. You, Georgia wanting uh, to obviously upset Auburn, uh, win two years in a row in Athens uh, against Auburn. So I think that one will be interesting as well. They'll be highly motivated. So I can I interest you both in one non-SEC game? Now, I'm not going to talk about the one that I would love and will be watching in Pepperdine versus San Francisco. Whoa. But no, no, I am talking – how about the number one scoring ACC offense and the North Carolina Tar Heels traveling out to face the number one defense and the most boring team in the universe in the Virginia Cavaliers? Ryan, will you be watching that basketball game? Yes, I will. And I, I-, I am so excited for that just because of the matchup prospect because it's either going to be a rock fight, and I know you're going to hate that, or if North Carolina can actually score some buckets. I mean, like – what was it, Tuesday or Wednesday? Virginia got Monday. Sm- oh, yeah. it was Monday? They yep. got smoked by Virginia Tech. Yep, it was did. bad. I mean, they scored 41 points. It honestly made me nervous because surely they're not going to play that poorly. Yeah, twice, yeah. That, that that's what I'd be worried about because it is in Charlottesville for that. So uh, that game's at 4 p.m. on uh, ESPN. So I'm definitely going to have to watch that one for uh, the style of ma- the clash of matchup right there between a high-scoring offense and a rugged and tough defense defense right there i would i will tell you this it always felt like um tony bennett was able to get the best of roy williams more times than than really just about anybody else like it north carolina usually got very bogged down by tony bennett teams and their defenses so uh very possible that could happen again tomorrow and carolina did have the midweek off this week so they've had all week to prepare for that defense but uh yeah, Virginia has played that style ever since Bennett got there, and they um, have had a lot of uh, success with it. But, boy, when the offense goes wrong because of how slow they play and that sort of thing, it, it's looked ugly a few times this year for Virginia. And they're on the bu- – they're trending towards the bubble now. So they're they're in need of that kind of win too. So that's that's going to be a tough one for, for Carolina on the road. I thought you would say the, the uh, Baylor and Houston game uh, in the Big 12. That's a, that's a huge one. This weekend, uh, yeah, I was thinking Houston's that. the new Virginia. If you think yeah. about it, oh no, no, no! I remember Legit. you. Yes, I remember you said that on the 100%. show a couple weeks ago, and I was just like, "That is extremely <laughs> accurate." I was thinking of mentioning that one, but it's at Baylor and Houston. Houston's like kind of a more fun Virginia, while Virginia's just like, "No, you are going to sit here and you're <laughs> going to watch a team maybe break fifty points." And right. Houston's like, "You may see a team break sixty or maybe sixty-five points, but that that'll also be a really good game." Baylor's been, you know, pretty good this year as they always are under Scott Drew, but uh, it's at Baylor and uh, metrics favor Houston. But I mean, it's, I think it's going to be a fantastic game. Return game for LJ Cryer who oh, transferred. Oh, yep. Yep. Uh, and uh, him and Shed is a terrific uh, backcourt for Houston. That's that's why they're probably a little more watchable scoring wise because they do have <laughs> two really good guards uh, that, that can put the ball in the basket. But uh, we know Jacoby Walter from uh, even playing from the word go against Auburn. Walter's a guy uh, when you get to NBA draft uh, time, he he will probably be a lottery pick. Yeah, and, so and he's he, he's been like projected top four. Right? Yeah, yeah, he's, he's been guys. starting to get buzz even yeah. higher than than ten. I mean, he's been I'll give you a well into the single there. digits now. So they've got some foreign guys at the top, but you know, it just depends where you look. But who's going to help the Pistons <laughs> next year? <laughs> uh, Walter's going to be one of the Nobody. first. 
Walter's going to be one of the first American basketball players taken, absolutely, in this, this draft. He is projected to go seventh overall right, right now. So, right now. Uh, so, yeah, again, he's he's right in it. So that will be a really good, good matchup there. Uh, my thought on the SEC was, you know, Ole Miss is interesting to me because they are 19-7. and seven. And normally, power conference teams that are nineteen and seven are really not in bubble uh, danger. Uh, they're not usually in the last four in type of persuasion or anything like that. But Ole Miss is, and their non-conference wins have become very uh, regrettable in terms of those teams just not helping Ole Miss in any way. Some of these teams, not too dissimilar from Auburn. Auburn, I would tell you, coming in the year, it was a little more clear that some of Auburn's teams were just not going to. Ha- they're not what they were, like a Notre Dame, for instance, in Indiana. But Ole Miss had some teams that at one point this year looked like they were going to be tournament teams, and they've just taken a dive. Yeah. So, for instance, Ole Miss uh, clocked NC State early in the year. NC State's 16-10 and 10 right now. The ACC is not as strong as it used to be, not headed towards the NCAA tournament. Um, they beat Memphis by three. Memphis got as highly ranked as top ten in the country. They lost again, then they lost again, then they lost again. And now Memphis is probably not making the tournament. They're going to have to win the AAC is that bad? tournament. No, oh, really? yeah. No, go right. look at it. Well, no, I've, yeah. I've seen some stuff pop up on my timeline on Twitter here and there where a lot of Memphis fans are oh, not yeah. a fan of Javon Clunerly. I've no, seen, no, I've seen, I've seen a lot of that. But Him and Penny I, Hardaway are public enemies, number Memphis one Memphis is two. sixth in the league. They're eight and six wow. in the American. Yeah, no, they're 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 absolutely on the bubble. That's wild, um, man. So you went from having a win against a top ten team to a win over a bubble team, and look, that that might help you get in over them or something, but it's not helping your overall resume right. as it relates to other teams. Right. And then another one was UCF. UCF started thirteen and eight overall. They've lost their last four. Uh, and so, including a couple of bad losses like West Virginia and at home to Cincinnati. So that was a team that, okay, was hovering around the bubble and, and might end up in the tournament. And that's a team that's absolutely not making the NCAA tournament now. So they've got a couple of those instances where the non-conference teams at one point this year looking like NCAA tournament teams that are now not looking like tournament teams. So that affects uh, your resume a little bit. Otherwise, 1917, I mean, again, I, I know – I'm not trying to make a bigger point here, but I'm just giving you what a 19-7 team could be. Alabama's right. 19-7. Yeah, and they're 13th no, yeah, in the I mean, country it's a completely and going different up and going 19 up. and 7. Right, 100%. It's mm-hmm. weird. Not, yeah. But just showing you what what usually you can be in a power league at 19 and 7. And so Ole Miss, I, I and look, Lillardi's not gospel too. He could be wrong. Ole Miss could be could be well within it right now. They could be a nine or a ten seed and right. be safe by seven, eight, ten teams. I don't know, but if you if you read them, they're one of the clear you know bubble teams. So a win against South Carolina would be impactful. It also would start to, depending on how you feel about it, probably start to endanger South Carolina a little bit because even though they're twenty one and five. Uh, if you can be nineteen and seven on the bubble, if you can be South Carolina losers of three straight, if they lose it and be twenty one and six, then yeah, you could be you could be a losing streak away from the bubble. So those teams are a little interested in how they're grading out because they don't have many marquee wins. Although South Carolina is at least protected from right. having the the Tennessee and, yeah. and Kentucky stuff earlier in the year, but then. Kentucky keeps losing. They're not right. I mean, you just you just yeah, go down and down the line. Effect. The yeah. Tennessee win will sustain them. They'll be fine. So I'm not going there, South Carolina. But I'm yeah. just telling you how fragile it can be for teams that have really good records. So I think that's a pretty important game. And I do think Ole Miss uh, really really kind of needs to have it for the perception of them. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I I would care more about A and M Tennessee if it was in College Station. A and M has already. 
had a couple of big performances in college stations, such as right. beating Tennessee a couple weeks ago. Yeah. Uh, easily beat him by 16. So I, I think probably reverse that, and Tennessee probably wins by about 16 this time. The Bama-Kentucky game's huge. I mean, it, it just is. Um, you know, Kentucky losing did help uh, Auburn standing a little bit when they lost in the midweek. So that's the fifth loss for them, and Auburn's still trying to maintain that top four. And we've had our debates about that already on the show. We'll have some more. But um, if you are one of those four, if you're Auburn South Carolina, you're both nine and four in the league. If you want any chance, you really, really need Alabama to lose that game because Alabama will then have the only other losable games, in my opinion, will be the host Tennessee game and that Florida game. And look, they very well could lose both, but that's not much to bank on. I mean, you got to have two, you got you only have two outcomes that right. help you because they're not losing at home against Arkansas, and again, Ole Miss has still not shown us they can actually play well against a, a higher echelon SEC team. So. Uh, that's one that if you're saying 14 and four can win the league, you need Alabama to lose that game to Kentucky. And Kentucky also, maybe a false sense of security by beating Auburn, that they were figuring it out because they had just they had they had just beaten Ole Miss. And again, that's another example of Ole Miss not winning much in the SEC. Kentucky, if they lost this game again, you can kiss their top four goodbye. There's no chance of being the top four in the SEC. But again, it's another team where you stare at it. That offense scores almost 90 a game. They have plenty, all the talent you could have. The only thing is they're not very experienced. But They are a younger like, version of Alabama, yeah. in my opinion. But, like, just – I mean, it's Kentucky, and it's another year where they're I, they're not what I thought they'd be. And, and even with them beating Auburn, like that, if they go and lose to Alabama out on their home court after having lost to LSU, they immediately lose their next two. What did that – I mean – all that win did is make sure they don't get into bubble territory. But right. I mean, they're not going to be ranked if they lose it, uh, lose to Alabama too, because of the loss in the midweek, they'll be down to uh, 18 and nine and, and just looking like a very normal team. It might be an eight, nine type of team in the tournament where right. you don't, you don't want to play them because they get hot score 90, mm-hmm. but uh, they, they have not turned a corner uh, so far and they're running out of time to do and so. treading a lot no. of water. Go ahead. Absolutely. Uh, you know, and Kentucky recently in March Madness has done nothing. No. They have done yeah. nothing. I mean, and it St. Went Peter's su- coming it went off su- last year, I was say. Oh yeah, there was St. Peter, and there's one. And I'm warning y'all right now. It doesn't matter who draws this team. Anyone that gets this team is terrifying. There is a storm brewing up in Birmingham, and it ain't <laughs> the Blazers. It's Samford. 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 Yeah. Just scores. They They're just. They, they just score. go. They are incredible. You can't find them on TV whatsoever. <laughs> only got but, three losses on the season, and two, one of them's to Purdue. The other one's to VCU. Coach and, McMillan's killing. Yeah, it. Bucky's probably going to get a big job after this. But if you and it wouldn't surprise me, if Kentucky got that draw, I I don't I would I'm not saying I'd place money, but I'd be very interested to see that betting line because I think it'd be pretty like well, I don't think Kentucky's. I, I don't, you don't think, think you don't think they're going to get that high. I, I think that uh, Sanford's probably still going to be like about a thirteen seed. Uh, bracket it, Matrix projects them at a maybe a four. I mean thirteen or so. I I would think thirteen. Yeah, wow. you know who's projected to be a four seed? Auburn. Yeah, that's, that's fine. That, and, and that's guys, fun. <laughs> and guys, I'm telling you, that's the committee does stuff like that. That's why Auburn played Jacksonville State the yeah. Jabari Smith year. So 
that that's going to be uncomfortable. If Thumbs that's what up. Happened. But also, I mean, still they will have to win their so right, right. That is the unfortunate part of they could go twenty eight and four, and it won't matter. They will not be led into the tournament if that fourth loss is their conference title game, and that's the one it's regrettable part for yeah. for small league teams like that because you see this all the time in college basketball. And you see that these teams, there's value in beating anybody. It doesn't matter if it's Vandy or Missouri in this SEC. It doesn't matter if it's West Virginia in the Big 12 or or if it's Louisville in the ACC, Georgia Tech. Georgia Tech has like three conference wins, and they're against all the NCAA tournament teams. <laughs> so, 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 so wild. So it's just like there is value in winning basketball games no matter who it is against. So I do get a little upset about you know, if it's twenty three and eight, I get it. But if it's twenty eight and four, twenty seven and five type of teams, those teams are NCAA tournament teams. I don't care. They're in the Summit, Mountain West, Conference USA, SoCon, uh, America East. I don't care. Like if you win that many basketball games, you're you're, you're a team that's going to be yeah. scary for yeah. someone and Absolutely. really good. And um, I'm, final, I have one question for yeah. y'all, and I know we probably have to take a break. If let's say Kentucky just kind of kind of goes average out and let's say they get one in a barbecued out the tournament like they have been in the last couple of years what do you do because this was supposed to be like one of the best teams that cows ever had and they are just average i mean like i'm not saying you can fire cow but like they won't i mean like i don't I, I'm i don't not, think oh no i'm not will. saying they will i'm just saying you as a kentucky fan and they have a lot of basketball fans right uh they you're just stuck, aren't you? You're just yeah. like, well, I guess we just have to deal with this. Yeah. I mean, like that that's gotta be the worst feeling in the world. I, I agree. And and it's not even like they're gonna have much continuity, right? I mean, you're gonna lose Rob Dillingham to the draft, you'll yep. lose DJ Wagner to the draft. Yep. Uh, so that's two. You might lose a third and probably Reeves to the draft. Oh yeah, Reeves, Reeves is, will probably he's go projected to the draft to as well. Yeah, three right there. That's three guys right there. So like it's like the gift. Oh, Reed the, Shepherd, excuse yeah, me. Yeah. Uh, really? And Reed Shepard? Well, reach oh, yeah, he's he's mocked in the late first round. So that's four. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. so it's it's tough. You know, it's like the gift and the curse of having such a prolific program that these guys want to go to. But then it's also like you have no continuity. You can't you can't build a program. You know, it's not the same at Kentucky. It's just really hard now to be able to do that. Uh, and so it, I, I wonder, you know, how he's gonna how Cal Coach Cal is gonna be able to. You know, rectify. I, I mean, I don't see Kentucky winning the championship. I I do see them as probably like a second round. You know, if they get to if they get the right matchups, a third round team maybe. But well, Kentucky the last great. few years had been kind of going against what got them great the first five to seven years under Cal. They had been trying to go with the other teams and be a little more experienced. They right. had Chibway forever. True. They brought in the Kellen Grady That's that true. year. They had they had some uh, juniors and the seniors. The dude from, from UGA uh, that, that transferred. Oh, Savir yeah. Wheeler. Yeah, Savir, um, Savir Wheeler, yeah. You know, they, they tried to do that, and obviously it, they saw no fruit of that labor, so they zigged back to what they did the first six or right. seven years, Cows at Kentucky, and tried to just get the, the three to five best freshmen they could get. And that's why, for a while, it looked like back to their roots. But, again, you look around college basketball because of all this experience, because of the COVID year, a lot of teams have valued, including Auburn, have have valued trying to get transfers and get players that have been in the sport a little while rather than trying to get as many impact freshmen as you can. And so some older teams have been prevailing recently – 
I, I think Kentucky was wise to go back to this because they're Kentucky and they can get uh, them and Duke and Kansas can get whoever yeah. they want. But, you know, I think that they've clearly missed something here in this particular team. And Kentucky basketball is about as impatient as it gets. And so, you know, yeah, they're not on flat out firing. But, yeah, you can't think he's doing a great job right now. It's Kentucky. It's five-star players. And they're – uh, I mean, look, they're one game above Mississippi State in the SEC. Like, <laughs> right. like, how can you say that they're doing some great job here? So, yeah, I don't know. I don't know, man. It's uh, t- it's tough to navigate. It really is. It, it, they're they're in such a it's a con- it's a conundrum. I feel like for for no, Coach Cal. Yeah, I feel and like it uh, is. I mean, like. And what's he going to do? I mean, like, like I guess like, that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah. what do you do? Do you? I mean, okay, you stick with what you got, but if you're not winning with them, then yeah, and then I mean, what? Like, what do you do? I mean, you're <laughs> going to lose all the. I mean, I just saw that Reed Shepard is now projected top ten. Oh really? Wow. Yeah, man. he's at. I've seen Dang. two. I saw him in the low twenties. I see. Ago, I man, saw one be, from the Athletic yeah. that has him at tenth, and I CBS mean, Sports nice. have, has him at fifth. I will. So, I will say this. We'll say this. Not taking away from him in particular or anyone. This is if you talk to people. Around the NBA, this is supposed to be one of the worst draft classes in a, yes. in a while. I've heard this too. And, I've oh heard yeah, that as well. And yeah. uh, that, yeah. that when it's August and September, you kind of say like, okay, maybe they're just jumping the gun. We've no, seen it play no, out no. for a couple Ugh. months. I, I told I told Cam like three weeks ago, I yeah. wanted nothing to do with Isaiah Collier. No. And yeah, yeah. He's he's moving down. He's not gonna be top five or six anymore. But he was projected number, number one coming one. In the year. Yeah. And I'm like, that is concerning with projected number one. I, I don't even want any part of yeah. <laughs> early in the draft. Right, so, right. which means that my Pistons will get the first pick in the draft, yeah, and, and you'll have yeah a bunch yeah. of B players to Yay. choose from. So, <laughs> so it goes. But uh, good stuff there on the SEC. Going to be a good weekend of SEC basketball. Again, Auburn will be taking on Georgia at five o'clock tomorrow in Athens. We're going to take one final time out in the show when we come back. Best, or excuse me, not best and worst. That's for Monday. What to watch for over the weekend and a nightly TV guide. You're listening to the Friday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Sports Call crew wants to hear from you. Give us a phone call at 334-887-3401. Follow Sports Call on Twitter at Sports Call AU. Like us on Facebook at Sports Call AU. Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app, or if you're listening after the fact, on the Sports Call podcast. Ryan LaVoy, Cam Berry, and T.P. Hammock with you here on this Friday evening. Just a couple more weeks, and we're going to get daylight savings times back, and then I can just say afternoon the whole time. Right. You know, you can debate the 540 is really still kind of evening, and it'll just be sunshine out there, sunshine. and I'll be looking forward to it. And Wait, when so is daylight savings? 
couple weeks. Okay. Yeah. Mar- uh, I, just, I don't know the exact date. First or second weekend of March, something cool, like that. Cool, so cool. we're not far. Uh, but uh, but yeah, almost we are free. Huh? Almost free of the darkness. Yes, almost free. Almost free. <laughs> um, looking forward to it. So final six or seven minutes of the show before we get to the nightly TV guide. Let's give you a quick what to watch for over the weekend. Sports calls. What to watch for over the weekend. Uh, we really didn't talk about it throughout the week, but it was on our what to watch for the weekend last weekend. Then it ended up getting raced on Monday. NASCAR Cup Series back in action. Week two of the season. Going to Atlanta this weekend. Uh, I can give away that Brooks Childress will be there on Saturday. Uh, looking forward to uh, hearing his thoughts on how he enjoys the Xfinity Series truck race. Uh, you had William Byron win the Daytona 500 on Monday night and a rare Monday race. And again, I just plead for no rain. This week looks pretty good, like only like a 10% chance on Sunday in Atlanta. So that's my biggest thing with NASCAR. Please stop killing off the TV audiences because you keep having a race on Monday when everyone's at work. Get your Sunday races in. Please, Mother Nature. And so they're going to be good. Another drafting race. Uh, Atlanta reconfigured a couple years ago to race a lot more like Talladega and Daytona. Uh, obviously, it's just a mile and a half track, so not not nearly as long. It's a little more confined, more banking, that, or a little bit tighter corners, I should say. But uh, really good racing there. Again, be drafting style. Should have some wrecks. People get into that, uh, and maybe a photo finish. Uh, so looking forward to Atlanta, and uh, again that uh, 2014 William Byron Daytona 500 champs from last week. Also, next up, sports calls, what to watch for over the weekend. We've been talking about throughout the show, Auburn basketball in action in Athens. Guys, want your final thoughts on what happens between Auburn and Georgia this weekend. Tough matchup. Uh, you you got to go in and try to handle business by, uh, without Jalen Williams if you're Auburn, and, and, and that's going to be a tough one. Uh, haven't won in Georgia um, or didn't win in Georgia last year. You're going to have to f- try to find a way uh, to, to do it again. Uh, to, to get back into the win column uh, in, in Athens, uh, lean on Janai Broom, get your guards back into the right position, defend well, um, and, and uh, see if you can get things you know back on track. Try to supplement. Everybody's got to step up a little bit uh, if you're uh, if you're the guards. Just to, to I mean everybody, it's going to be very important uh, for Auburn to get this get this game it is I, I agree with you uh what you said earlier ryan that this is probably the most pivotal game for auburn uh they it, it's a must win you got to get this one you got to still prove that you're one of the top four teams in the conference so uh, i think auburn can do it it'll be a close one i think this will be the first single digit game that they win uh that they get of the season uh but it, it, georgia will put up a a very very big fight so here's what i think about this game i think it's going to be very important, as we've said multiple times this the show. And I also think that it's very important to see how Auburn bounces back after the most disappointing loss of the season. Absolutely, it was the most disappointing loss of the whole entire season. You had the students camp out for multiple days, go in there, and you lay an egg. So here's your chance of revenge. And if you do not get this win, you are staring down the barrel of three consecutive losses because you're probably going to lose at Tennessee. I fully expect Auburn to lose at Tennessee. So, and they're going to come out there and they're going to, Blue Kane's going to make shots. He's going to make some crazy shots that no human being should be able to make. And he's just going to make them and you're just going to have to live with it. So, I think Georgia's going to get out to an early lead like many home teams have done against Auburn. And I think Auburn will slowly battle back and I think they'll salt it away and get the victory 
by single digits. I do think Georgia will cover the spread, and I think Auburn will pick up their first uh, single-digit win of the season. But but before I throw it to you, Ryan, just remember there's an old saying, pressure makes diamonds, but pressure also bursts pipes. So we'll see what Auburn does tomorrow. Yeah, I, look, I do see this being a close game. Uh, I just feel like at, at this time Auburn's not going to have the firepower to just pull away from, from Georgia in a road environment. I think they would be able to still be just fine at home without Jalen Williams. But uh, Jalen Williams, again, you can say that he's not as consistent as you want him to be or he's had a few clunkers, and, and that may be true. But it does align with Auburn's success. When he's good, Auburn's really good. And when he's not good, Auburn's not as good. And so he's not going to be there. So someone will have to step up and play better or you risk seeing the version of Auburn that is the not-as-good version. And so I think that's on Denver Jones. I think it's on Chad Baker-Mazzara. Something out of point guard play. No one has to score 14 points at the point guard position, but can you have five assists to no turnovers? Can you uh, be efficient with what shots you do take? That sort of thing. And then obviously if you do want a post-presence, you do need a good Jani Broom game. I do think Auburn wins, but as I told Steve, even though apparently the line is in the seven the seven and a half range i look at this as a as a very close nail-biting type of game i think auburn will just escape 70 to 67 in athens with a a, with a moderate scoring game on the lower end of things but just enough to give you very anxious moments and auburn to pull through with their first single digit win of the year final couple minutes of the show today time for a nightly tv guide our show is about to end But we've got you covered on entertainment for the evening. Here's Sports Call's Nightly TV Guide. Sports Call's Nightly TV Guide is presented, as always, by White Claw Hard Seltzer. We mentioned it a little bit ago, but you got some Friday night heights. You got some SEC gymnastics tonight, starting with number 12-ranked Auburn versus number 13-ranked Missouri. That is in Neville Arena, 6 o'clock, starting just momentarily on the SEC Network. Also a big one in women's college gymnastics in Gainesville. Number two, LSU. Number five, Florida. That's 6 o'clock on ESPN2. So if you're watching Auburn Gym, they go to commercial break. Might want to check that one out on ESPN2 in the interim. Also got college basketball tonight. Men's college basketball, 6 o'clock from the MAC. It's on ESPNU. It's Bowling Green playing host to Toledo. And a couple of movie picks for you tonight. 6 o'clock on Bravo, one of the sports call all-timers in terms of most selected for the TV guide. It's the blind side. And then 6 o'clock on FX, it's Cars 2. And uh, I remember seeing a bunch of Lightning McQueen stuff a few months ago on Twitter. Uh, on Twitter. On Twitter. <laughs> and I don't even know why. Is there, is there supposed to be another one coming out or something? Am I not aware of that? Uh, I don't know. I think Lightning's just a popular guy. You know? I, I, I guess. Must be. But uh, you can check that one out. Again, that's on FX. And that is Sports Calls Nightly TV Guide presented by White Claw Hard Seltzer. And that will do it for today's show and for the show for this week. TP Hammock, thank you for being here, sir. We will see you again next week. Thank you, as always. And Canberry, thank you for being here. Hope you have a great weekend. We'll see you again next week as well. Yes, sir. See you next week. Again, that does it for the show for today and for this week. As always, we appreciate all those that tuned in and called in. For TP Hammock and Canberry, my name is Ryan LaVoy. Have a great Friday night. Have a great weekend. And we'll talk to you again on Monday.